This is the Podswoggle Network, a podcast network with entertainment. It's weeks after the fact, but I'm still excited. Welcome to the Blank Slate. Thanks for pushing play. Uh, uh, we are here uh, uh, back after a little bit of a hiatus uh, and a lot of uh, concentrated podcasting. Uh, I am one of your uh, two hosts, Rich Camelucci over Skype is Chris Mullet in Winter Garden, Florida. Uh, hello, hello, hello. And here right in the room with me is our good friend and correspondent for many things and the unofficial third host of uh, The Blank Slate, Tony Colt. Not great, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> you got to draw out the, not great, Bob. I will try again later after I've made contact with Manolo. <laughs> Every ten minutes, you got to try it. <laughs> oh, so, fucking yes. Manolo! Oh, gotta add that to the list. Shit, sorry. Of what? The list of of just things I want to discuss. Random characters. <laughs> like Manolo, that crazy man. <laughs> the telegram from the ship. <laughs> so we are uh, uh, as as of press time and release time. I imagine. Well, press time is release time. It's been a while. I'm a little rusty. Excuse me. Uh, but yeah. It's been a while since uh, uh, the finale, the series finale of Mad Men, and we wanted to talk about it before the se- <laughs> the second half of the series even started, the season even started. We get around to things. Um, but I like I like doing this a couple weeks after the fact. It lets us sit on a few things, some ideas, formulate a few other ideas, not overreact, not underreact. Gives us some perspective. Hmm. With that, shall we overreact? I'm going to overreact like hell. <laughs> <laughs> Mullet, go ahead and... I came uh, a lot. <laughs> huh? What I said I say? came a lot. You I came said I lot. came a lot, yeah. You came a lot? <laughs> well, what exactly was it that made you come? <laughs> well, I came with tears. Uh, the, uh, the exact amount of times I either significantly teared up or cried was four, um, which was about what I was, like, guesstimating. You want to see um, if we can guess which ones they were? Yes, please, because I, I think I hid them from both of you uh, successfully. My guess is any conversation that was on a phone. <laughs> so the entire episode? <laughs> well, no, wait, 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 wait. I think we should be specific here. You're yeah, saying, no, they're, yeah, be specific. You're saying Don and Betty. Don and Betty, that, yes. That's one, yes. Don and Sally. No. Okay. Don uh, and Peggy. Don and Peggy. Yes. Peggy and <laughs> and Stan. Stan. No, surprisingly. But when he rushed in the room. No, I just I I, I fist pumped. I didn't cry. Okay. Um, and then of course, uh, when Don hugged Leonard at the end. Oh, sorry. Five. Okay, so that's three. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot about that one. Yeah, uh, that was an obvious one. Yeah, that was an obvious one. I know the other two were, uh, and this one was like a, a minor one. This would definitely be like number five. But Pete and Peggy's last like little goodbye to one another was just like, because you knew like that was going to be the last time they spoke to one another. Mm. And just like from the series uh, opener to that, just how far they'd come and kind of the, I don't know, it, just, it, it, it got me. It got, it got me more than Stan because I didn't think I was at the point where I just think Stan wouldn't happen. Um, and then the last one, is uh, the scene with Sally and Bobby, where like Bobby's trying to make like 
fucking toast and uh, almost burning the house burns, down. Burns the grilled cheese. And it's like, yeah, grilled cheese, yeah. It was just like, God, like, the entire time they've been the fucking adults, and now they have to be the adults. And it was just, oh, it seems so good, but it was so hard to just see what was going to happen to those fucking kids. That show went through um, five Bobby Drapers, and they couldn't find one that could make a grilled cheese. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I will say meal. though this, yeah this th- I mean that one if you get if you give him an extra season like I like if, if we ever get like a spinoff I wanted to open with, uh with, Bobby making a grilled cheese successfully kind of like Better Call Saul like how it opened with him at the Cinnabon it's like oh yeah of course that's what happened <laughs> Bobby finally makes a grilled cheese this week Bobby finally oh. makes a grilled cheese and <laughs> learns an important lesson. <laughs> And four more Secor laxatives jokes come out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so th- those were those were the five that really got me. The biggest one was the biggest two were Don and Betty and Don and Peggy, as they should be. Because not even the thing with Leonard, like I I I got weepy, but I didn't like cry like the other two. That was a very cathartic moment, and you know, in fairness, I think it needed to be. <laughs> And it was. Yeah. And I think I think also a big reason why is just because I knew fucking what's his face was in the same room, which I always forget his fucking name. Brett Gelman. Yeah. <laughs> Brett Gelman's like sitting right next to him. Brett and Gelman just, was like the biggest distraction in that entire episode. I just kept thinking, like, this is happening while Brett Gelman is sitting next to them. Like, why is he there? <laughs> Was so he like, like the and, shaman and leader like, guy? No, he was the uh, the guy who he's just eventually like chilling naked on the the bench. Oh yeah, yeah. The he's like a he's, that guy. He's a well known stand up. He's been on the league. He's yeah. he's on at midnight all the time. I see. Yeah, just yeah. seeing him in he's that, a, that first in the first scene with him, I was like, "Fucking Brett Gelman!" All right, <laughs> get in the madman finale. And then he kept popping up. And then he had exactly. Him. He had like 50 times as many lines as one of Don's children had in the entire series. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I Gene take that. Take Gene spoke in the last episode though. How many well, yeah, people, I mean, how many like, degenerate gamblers lost money on that? Sal lost a ton of money. <laughs> Sal lost Sal lost a, a hefty fee. Well, it's just like at the end of the Simpsons movie when like Maggie finally says her first words. You got to give Gene his first words in the in the the, the series finale of Mad Men. When you said Sal lost money, I immediately thought of Sal actually from the series, not cousin Sal. Oh no, Sal lost a lot of money, and because of that, he now has to uh, pour four buckets of jizz on himself. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you, every it's one like of your that man, right. that man went to dark places. What'd you say, Rich? This has been a reoccurring conversation ever since Sal left Mad Men. And every time you take it to very, very dark places. Nothing good happened to Sal. You always assume that Sal is ending up in some kind of cruisy ghetto where he's being exploited sexually. I mean, I don't think that that's necessarily the case with Sal. He seems like a pretty talented, pretty canny uh, sort of character. You know, he he was... He's got the fake wife. Yeah. He was, you know, exhibiting a lot of of charisma and it factor uh, when performing Bye Bye Birdie. There's there's nothing to say that he didn't change his oh. name to Harvey. To Harvey uh, Firestein. <laughs> I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of awards I want to give out throughout this podcast. Oh, uh, we're getting this one early. 
uh, award for the best acting performance, maybe of the entire series, was Sal's wife just realizing in that moment that her husband is the... What's the nicest way to put this? Like, the biggest homosexual in the city? That's still not a nice way to put that. No. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know. Realizing he was gay. It is what it is. Well, yeah, but, like, how? But just her face, the... the, the, See, I don't think it was so much... The expression was so much reflection of how gay he was as it was to how much she didn't know. Yeah, how much she had missed it. Yeah. Oh, no, I, no, I, I, I wasn't insinuating that her face was saying, like, oh, this guy's, like, really, really gay. But it was just putting over the fact of, like, how obvious it probably should have been the entire time that he was and her realization of it. In, in your uh, uh, explanation of it, I, I like that it implies that she, she still knew that, like, well, he's a little bit gay. Yeah, that's yeah. That's kind of what I because remember earlier earlier on we're getting totally away from the series finale. They had that awkward dinner with Ken. That like she knows that Saldos brought Ken over to flirt with Ken. (laughs) He didn't want to hear about Ken's bullshit stories. Ken's had some interesting dinners in this show. (laughs) Yes, he has. He's had some interesting outings, some interesting adventures. Uh. I want to ask for real, real quick. Everyone's favorite Ken Cosgrove moment. Old Kenny Cosgrove. Oh, there are so many to choose uh, from. I feel like I feel like going with the the the, the front runner pick of the tap dancing. The tap dancing when he was all when he was all hopped up on whatever uh, Jim Cutler amphetamines. Yeah, yeah, gave them all. Yep, <laughs> he gave everybody um, amphetamines. <laughs> yeah, that that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, him getting shot in the face is a good one. Yeah, I'd say that's yep. up there. That was in a season premiere, wasn't that in like the season six premiere or something? It was like the no, opening no, 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 scene. That... No, it wasn't. It was no. It was the opening scene of an episode, but it was near the end of season six. Okay, because yeah, because that's uh, when uh, Bob and Pete were put on Chevy because Chevy was the one that blew his face off, and and Bob uh, Pete didn't want to go to Detroit with with uh, Bob. And of course, Bob sabotaged Pete by having him drive the car. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Bob sabotaged himself by uh, messing with Joan. <laughs> mm. Oh yeah. How about you? Yeah, Rich? she was gonna be. Yeah, he wanted Joan to be his beard. How about you, Richie? Favorite favorite Ken Cosgrove. Kenny Cosgrove. It would either be either very early on when it's like getting revealed that he he likes to write these stories. Tapping and, a Vermont maple tree, yeah. isn't that like the name of the story? <laughs> or uh or God. like towards the end when he comes back to to the agency as the, the Dow ad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say like the the, the first episode of the second half of the last season, that was a pretty baller moment. Yeah. Empowered Cosgrove is a very interesting thing. But also, like, giving up on his dream to, like, spite. for, for Just for pure spite. Yeah. Yeah, it was well, good stuff. That's interesting. I mean, I think that um, a lot of the way that people have been discussing the finale of this show has been in the vein of, like, who is fine and who is not fine. Hmm. You know, at the end of the show, it seems like there are certain characters that are doing great. 
And then there are certain characters where you really feel like their future is on a steep downward trajectory. Um, and not only because of Betty's terminal cancer diagnosis um, and Sally at a stove instead of in college. But, I mean, I think that Ken is probably going to be okay, right? Unless Alex Mack dumps him. <laughs> Larissa Olenek. Yeah. Um, I just like saying the name. I wasn't correcting you. It's just a fun name to say. Yeah, uh, I would say, like, in all honesty, like, thinking about it, everyone everyone got out, like, as hunky-dory as I, as I would want them to, if that makes sense. And that's not a detriment to Betty, who we'll get to later in the category I'm most looking forward to, to discuss and open up to the floor. But, um... But yeah, everybody else, like Pete kind of redeemed himself as best as possible and got his family back. Peggy found love and is still churning away at work. Fucking um, Ken, you know, he gave up on his dream. But yeah, he got a he got a, a, a good gig. Joan's going out on her own. Roger found some hot French pussy. You know, wait, everyone did OK. Wait, hot? Yeah, for, I would. for overbroad? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He's not how old is it? We do this every single time the three of us are on a podcast. It's normally about athletes. Let me see how old Julia Ormond is. <laughs> She's in her sixties. Yeah, and for sixties yeah. she looks great. No, no. Okay, how old is, uh, so what is your official guess, Tony? I'm gonna guess that she is sixty three years of age. Rich? Uh uh sixty four. You guys are assholes. That bitch is 50. Wow. She looks like crap for 50. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they also they, they made her look older. Like, I can show you some pretty good pictures. Of, okay. Like, okay. They definitely oh, aged yeah. her up. Yeah. I would to be uh, like Megan's mom. So, like, just based off of what we have to go off of, like, ending the show, I would buy I would buy Pete stock. I would buy Peggy stock. Uh, sell, sell. Uh, Roger's done. You could sell your Roger stock. Roger's, he's just gonna chill. Um, but yeah, he's done. I mean, yeah, he's he's the only person doing what uh Hobart said is like you you've you've graduated to fucking advertising heaven. <laughs> you, yeah. You're good. Um, if you ever if you still had any Harry Crane stock at this point, <laughs> oh, get whatever pennies you can get on the dollar for that. All right, now I want to talk about favorite Harry Crane moment. But also, I, I, I kind of love that everyone got their moment, and in the finale, Harry Crane was just told, yeah, here's some cookies. Go with downstairs. Yeah, yeah no, Walks favorite Harry out. Crane moment came like as his last moment. Exactly. Uh, just walking in the big ass, biscuits. with a big-ass <laughs> fur coat. Walks out eating cookies out of a tin. I want, I want to what? see big things for Rich Summer <laughs> like coming out of this. It's... I kind of like all right. So everyone talks about oh yeah, Breaking Bad was about the like the making the hero the villain. Harry Crane did that pretty effectively as well. <laughs> Remember in the first season, he's the guy that's like sleeping in the office with Don because his wife kicked him out for kissing one woman at an office party, and he's the guy crying during Don's carousel speech and, <laughs> and fighting to get the TV department and the only person in it. And then he just becomes like just the biggest prick. Harry Crane did break bad. Yeah, <laughs> Certainly. He did. He did. We just don't get to see him enjoying it. Because it looks like he's having a great time. He is. 
Yeah, I mean, he seems to be doing great being a prick. <laughs> He's propositioning, uh, propositioning um, everyone. Everyone. <laughs> well, yeah. No, but I mean specifically Megan at the end. But yeah, certainly Megan. Yeah. That was pretty. Funny. Which I found funny just because after all the Zuby Zoo thing and him being the one to get caught talking about it was a good little good little callback. But yeah, Harry Crane. Anybody anyone else had some good Harry Crane memories? Uh, I don't know. Harry just seems like uh like he just kind of slid into an oblivion of, of of like hatefulness. Um a pretty funny moment is when um like uh oh so Pete wants to move into Harry's office. Yeah. And, and Pete asks Roger about it and like Roger has to like take money out of his pocket and just hand it to Harry to get the office. <laughs> For the first of like and it six works out times for like that four season. months salary. Yeah. yeah, and he thought he was going in there to get fired because he made fun of Zuby Zoo. Yeah, but he walked out with like great... twelve twelve hundred dollars cash or something and Harry yeah, Crane it led so to one of Rogers. It was the little one of Rogers' best lines. I just rewatched this scene the other day on on YouTube. Like he was like laughing at Zuby Zoo, and he's like, "Yeah, I made fun of it too." I asked my wife to do that. She won't do it for me. She doesn't even like me. <laughs> it's, just, it's a great, great Rogerism in that in that scene, uh, which was then called back like weeks later in the Peggy scene when she, Peggy sticks him up for more money. He goes, "God, I guess I'm carrying so much cash on me." Yeah, yeah. Uh, he just gets held up the whole season. So, so, like, I always saw Harry Crane as like a really effective pinch hitter on the show. If you had like a crack or something to be filled, throw Harry in there, make him say something shitty, and it'll be entertaining and it'll get you to the next point. The guys from Topaz call him Mr. Potato Head, and he doesn't <laughs> even bat an eyelash. <laughs> Mr. Potato Head Hero still make his egg budget, and uh, we'll be fine. <laughs> Why not a big jewel, a topaz? Um, but you brought up Roger. I wanted like, because Roger was never not enjoyable for me, but especially in this the the last leg of the series, he didn't really have too much to do, and the stuff that he did uh, got sort of called out as being a little fan servicey at points which like him playing a guitar while peggy roller skates yeah piano piano sorry organ 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 yeah yes. sorry it's fun. uh but like i'm sorry if you're like wrapping up a whole series isn't it okay to kind of like <laughs> give Service something your fans, fans want to see yeah of course absolutely Absolutely, I have I have a little list here of things I want to make sure we talk about, and there's so many little Roger ones. <laughs> like, Please. like let's not forget let's not forget that Roger Roger puking after Don taking him up like 17 flights of stairs. Season one, yeah, so, yeah, season one. Let's not forget fucking uh, Roger getting slapped in the face after he had a heart attack by Don again. Season one, season one was Roger's territory. Yeah, uh, I don't even have to talk about the acid trip. We That's, actually which one. That's a pantheon. Well, the first one, not the second one, which only thing we saw of it was just him being bare-assed. Actually, right before the podcast uh, in the room, Rich and I watched the first acid trip scene again. Oh, so good. It was very funny. Um, the, uh, the, the fucking... 
just him putting together the the purchase. I, I love it, despite it being the downfall and ultimately a terrible idea. Just how baller he was that entire episode. Yeah. Um, on the moon landing episode. Um. Also, every time we would see him recording his memoirs, which led to the wonderful moment in the suitcase where yeah. Don's like recapping. He's like, did you not hear any of this? Bert has no balls. I know it was a Hellcat. Roger's writing a book. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the most shocking of the three. Yeah. <laughs> Roger's writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, let's never mind the fact this 80-year-old secretary was a total whore and that our, our founding father has no testicles. <laughs> Roger Sterling's trying to write a book. It does explain the octopus painting. It absolutely does. Octopus painting was crucial to like probably the the most gift worthy moment of the show in its entire run with Peggy just sunglasses on, cigarette in her mouth, octopus hentai painting under her arm, walking into to fucking McCann Erickson. Just that was pretty wild. Fucking boss mode. Does uh does anybody have a, a Roger line that sticks out? Because I mean the amount of the amount of Roger lines is is endless. The one in the last episode was really funny, um, and I thought it was a great scene where uh, he's at Joan's apartment and he's discussing with her that he's leaving uh, a substantial portion of his wealth to Kevin, their son, mm-hmm. who he can't acknowledge, um, and. He, she asks him, you know, if if he's found somebody new, and he says that he has, and she says, "Well, who is it?" And he says, "It's Megan Draper's mom," and she's like aghast. <laughs> and Roger just says, "No, it's great. Nobody cares." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they just yeah. laugh. It's it's such a perfect Roger Sterling line. It's like that's great. Nobody cares. Yeah, no, everyone's fine with it. Yeah, it's just like uh, the, the, to me the most perfect Roger moment is when he fires Burt Peterson again. Oh yeah, <laughs> that scene. Like every single line is just owned. Wait, He's like, no, wait, we're letting the second you go time again. Or the third time, the second time. Okay. When the, right after the CGC merger. Okay. And when he's just like, you are a real big son of a bitch. Damn it, Bert, you stole my line. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's just boom, 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 boom. Ooh, secretaries. Okay. Meredith. Meredith. That's another one by Meredith Stock. She's she's going to be just just fine. I love that. <laughs> what they did with that character. That was awesome. Just the girl that gets a plane thrown at her by Joan. Ends up being the best secretary in the history of the show. She has the mind of a child. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the end. He's like, we're like, like Roger lets her go, and she's like, I always land on my feet. It's like, oh god damn it, yeah you do. <laughs> and she probably believes that. <laughs> like, if she were to like jump out of that building, she thinks yeah. she'd land on her feet. She's like comforting Roger says well you know i hope don's in a better place and he says oh geez that's morbid and she says oh there's plenty of better places than here yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well it's just like uh when uh, when they're going to fire don the previous season and oh no well the first the uh, end of uh the first half and she was like i can be your strength <laughs> like yeah. she goes oh, and yeah. he's, he's like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> no you can't 
what? <laughs> it's so good. Uh, she's awesome. I hope I hope that actress gets more work as the exact same character. What else is on your list, Mullet? Oh god. Well, I, I have a lot of I have a lot of like older stuff. I just want to make sure like we touch on and just gush about. Oh sure. Um, but uh, and I, I want to save the 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 biggest thing. Like we haven't talked about Don at all. Let's get everybody else out of the way and then we'll talk about Don. Well, as far as like the the second half of the last season, um, because like right, I rewatched the the first episode of that half the other night and. <clears throat> I got a little worried for a second that like when um when uh uh Rachel showed it back up and yeah. like I was for a second I remember being a little bit worried that it was going to be, be and not that this is a bad thing cuz it's like my favorite movie uh but it was going to be a little high fidelity-ish and that Just he was going to like yeah. be laying on that wine stained carpet and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Bruce Springsteen. It'd actually be like Woody Guthrie, <laughs> be in the corner, and he's yeah. Just give one last good luck and goodbye to that all-time top five. Move on. See, I, I I would have been much happier with that as opposed to him with this random ass waitress for fucking five episodes. Because I I I get that. I totally understood why it was done as, as it being like an extension of everything that's gone on in his life like ever basically yeah but, okay. but i just didn't give a fuck about that character like i like, just could not get invested invested in it at all whereas with rachel mankin who i always liked as like his best mistress mm-hmm. i would have much been more interested in him like trying to rekindle that than than some other random woman that just was just not very good in any stretch of the imagination yeah but she did well yeah well yeah which again i i get it served it definitely served its purpose but i was i for your proposal, I would have been better with that than what actually happened. I want to stick a bookmark in the discussion of Don's best mistress. Oh, for for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. But I think that the Diana, the waitress storyline gets a little unfairly maligned for a couple of reasons. Number one, like you said, it was completely necessary within the plot line of the show, you know, because it was the impetus for him leaving town and eventually going on, you know, the journey that he went on, which was necessary. And two, it's not like it was that many scenes in the show. Like in terms of the total time in those last, like, you know, six episodes or something where that was even like a, you know, material thing. It was like two episodes yeah. of show. So it's not like it was dominating. Down the stretch, it yeah, it didn't really have much to do with anything anymore. A couple of episodes I was like, why is he in her apartment? Like, yeah. That scene I was like, why are you yeah. there? Yeah, they and like and, uh, and the first four and or I, five episodes of the, the, the last half, it was a little heavy on that. And like Yeah, and I and I and I think I, I would have been fine with that if it wasn't the last seven episodes of Mad Men. Like, if this is, like, a season five storyline or something, then I would have been totally fine with it. But at this point, I wanted to see something other than that. Or if I was going to get caught up with somebody, I wanted somebody that was just a little bit more interesting or a better actress. Well, that's also kind of the point, though, is the fact that she was just this 
sort of plain Jane, I know. and then eventually weird, fucked up waitress, and that's just like, you know, kind of getting to this weird bottom of the barrel type damaged you know, but that's girl. What Don does, but that's what Don does. But like, never, yeah. never that to that like degree. Don. Well, you figure that his first, well, his first mistress was fucking Midge, who was was almost as screwed up as as Diana was, just in a different way. She was screwed up because of everything that she was involved with, not what her past was or what she had done. So it's kind of like bookending Don's mistress, mistresses, almost. Well, Midge was my favorite. Yeah, Midge was, uh, uh, just refresh my memory, Midge was the... Rosemary DeWitt, the artist. The artist. The first season. Artist, yeah. But even he then, went like, back there's, there's a certain and... allure to that. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, again, like, a waitress is, like, hey, hey, it's a noble profession, but it's a waitress, you know? Whereas, like, she's she was this bohemian... Heroin addict. Yeah. <laughs> like, there was... There was a, 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 Rich, I think I'd rather be a waitress than a heroin addict, just saying. I'm, I'm saying we all would. You don't but, have to choose, Bella. You don't yeah, choose. no one's making the choose. <laughs> but uh, as far as, like, there being some sort of, like, sexy, fucked-up allure, you know, if you're looking to stray from your marriage and, and I don't know, ha- have at least a story to tell, <laughs> like, you would go with that more than, than a waitress. She also had a way cooler apartment. Yes. Well, that's, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, we're on we're on the subject. So that was your favorite mistress, Tony. Rich, do you have a favorite mistress? I've already said mine. I man, I don't even know if she would like. A, well, I guess she would count. But what was that doctor lady? Doctor Faye. Doctor Faye? Faye Miller. The one that actually, the one that actually would have been okay and worked out. She would have been great. That's probably why, because I'm always just like such the optimist, and I just want things <laughs> yeah. to like work out. That would have to been, which to the point where yeah. every show, if that were to happen, it would be a very uninteresting show. But I would just be like, good for them. Yeah. Oh, Don found the right girl. Yeah. It's Dr. Faye. <laughs> Three more seasons of just him being happy. Fuck that. No yeah. one, everyone would riot. Exactly. Um, yeah, I also want to give an honorable mention. I know a lot of people, don't, I think I, Tony were like, I also like the whole Bobby and Jimmy Barrett storyline just because I thought it was funny. Um, yeah, not that there's anything I funny about did. What? I bet you thought that was funny. What he did to what? her outside that bathroom. Well, look, it, it forever gave us the finger bang threat level. True. Thank you, Mark Lasanti. But um, look, despite the fact that it was almost definitely a crime. The- it was a crime. I'm, I'm an attorney. I'm going to come out and say it was a crime. <laughs> it also was cool as shit <laughs> in the aspect of a thing that he would do. And also, let's be honest, she was asking for it. That's not really a defense. <laughs> no, actually, that is the the worst thing to say. Actually, yeah. yeah. But you, your honor, she was asking for it. Doesn't go super far. Uh, <laughs> You're not watching the right SVU episodes. Also, uh, perhaps in the the <laughs> the the precedent set in this show and maybe of the time, that may have been an actual defense. Boy, that's true. Yeah, that would have been what, like sixty one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The judge would have just been like, well. Yeah, you're telling me. Sounds like <laughs> it. Dismissed. Um, yeah, I, uh, and and that's also that little storyline that run is the reason why 
any time anyone was in any vehicle of any sort, my butthole puckered. Oh, yeah. The series. Oh, yeah, because that's the, the DUI and the crash. And yeah. And also the, just the way every, like, car scene is shot. Oh, you're expecting, like, a random... Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I'm just expecting something horrible, especially when it's someone driving alone and it's the middle of the fucking night. It's like, well... How, and they and after that, they always make it to their destination. But it's still, like, it planted that seed in the back of my head. And I'm just like, something yeah. terrible is going to happen. Yeah, yeah it's terrifying. Um, and then also, that, that whole thing was also the start of Don and Betty unraveling, because... Jimmy Barrett is the one that kind of spills the beans on the affair and everything. And Betty finally knows for sure. So it was, a, it was an important, it was much more of an important part of the show than some of the other, like the fucking school teacher. And um, who was he sleeping with in season three? So I can't even keep track, which is great. <laughs> you can't keep track of how many people Don Draper slept with over the course of the show. Um, there's actually a Tumblr for that. I believe it. I was gonna. I was actually gonna propose a uh, a mistress power ranking, but we can we can move on. Um, what else is on your list, Mullet? Uh, for stuff. Well, I'll, I'll, to get back to this season, how did everyone feel about Peggy the the final seven episodes, specifically the last episode with her and Stan? Was that something that you guys? Because my wife, Sam, was like wanting it since they fucking first met and did creative, uh, had a creative meeting naked. And I was always, I was at the point where I was like, I was fine with them kind of just being, you know, friends. And I, I was still happy as, as hell that it happened. But a, but a part of me was still like, oh, but they're like such good friends. It's not going to end well. <laughs> Just because I know a chance it ends well. No, I think I think there is a chance, but I just I I remember like when the, the first time like they kissed and it was just like weird. You were like again, Sam was drunk. I think I think they were both drunk, but they had oh they'd set up. They had so many moments to do it, and it wasn't like it was ever touched upon that was actually finally going to happen. I thought we were in a really nice little pocket for them. So when it did happen, I, I was still very happy, but I was surprised. But not necessarily in the good way, if that makes sense. Be like, oh, they went with that. Okay, cool. Good. I was fine with it. I think it gave them both uh, a decent, happy ending. It seems like they're both pretty satisfied with their work. They're satisfied in their personal lives. You know, hopefully feeling fulfilled and generally good. I think I also just expected a bigger send-off for Peggy, if that makes sense. Because she's the second most important character on the show. And well, it's, and they, it's almost and it's they, almost been set up to be like like the real story of like her rise as Don falls. But sorry, Rich, go ahead. Well, and they they set that up to happen. Well, with, yeah. So, well, they also they kind of set it up for both of them to rise together. Yeah, but even then, in the last episode, like she could have gone with Joan. And with the, for that production company, and that could have been a big thing. But I don't know. I'm I'm super on board with the the Peggy and Stan thing, because uh, it's it's one of those things where it's yeah, it was like definitely awkward at first, and they didn't have like that immediate chemistry or that immediate spark. But just 
through by proxy of just having all of these accidental like real real shit conversations and yeah. and and you know cutting through the bullshit and 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 not having to worry about the pretense of like well do they how do they feel about this or whatever it's like oh yeah no i know the true you you know the true me and this is and this is fucking right yeah and, and they're not afraid to tell each other this. yeah and yeah stan always forgives peggy when she overreacts and he you know when he's an asshole she forgives him and yeah They've been close for a really long time. I didn't feel like this was out of the blue or no. inappropriate. I feel like, no. you know, I felt like it kind of fit based on how they would, how they had been going for the last several seasons. Right. I mean, it did have to, I mean, it had to happen in the last episode, but, you know, so in that sense, it was rushed. I didn't feel like it was inappropriate. Yeah, no. I, 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 just, I, I didn't feel I, it was inappropriate for how the characters were. I just felt. I was just surprised that they actually went with it. That was kind of what I was insinuating yeah. that, like, that was like where they saw them ending up. Well, and, and that's that's goes back to the other thing that I was talking about. It's like, yes, this is always where I wanted to see these two end up, and I'm glad that they did do it at the end because, again, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, now we're just gonna watch these people be happy. Oh yeah, it was. Right. It is also a fan service thing like you were talking about earlier. Like that's. A big one that I've seen people online like yeah. were clamoring for fucking seasons. It's like they should just get together, you yeah. know. No, and but that's you know what the whole thing is when the main couple, who, who is always like the will they won't they, when they do get together, that's the end of the show. Of course, because that's like you know the whole arc of the show is like the will they won't they. So as soon as they do, it has to end. Like. You can't just live out, you know, the scenario that Rich was talking about where, you know, now they're just happy. Like, there's nothing compelling about that. Yeah. Um, unless, you know, shit is going to go awry or what have you, like with Megan. Right. Um, or, you know, for for this genre, you know, there's other shows where it, like, actually does kind of work. But, um yeah, I was, I was all aboard for that happening, especially with, with in that that final stretch of the season, just the scenes that those two were just having together were just yeah, just killer and crushing. And and again, like you want to talk, you, you were talking about tearing up earlier, like whenever them those two would like get down to to real spit, uh, yeah, it would it would just fucking devastate me. Oh yeah, the scene where Peggy was telling him about her 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 child that was yeah. that was oh, more so, so more so Stan like realizing that realizing that's what she was it yeah about yeah so you brought up I so to kind of divert here uh, a a question to propose so we can talk about both these characters and get them out of the way was there enough done with Betty in the last like three episodes to make her not as bad as Megan. I'd say she had a, a full on. I was going to use a term that I can't use on the show. <laughs> uh, I'll forgive it. I just want to know what you were going to say. She had a full on face turn, man. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you can edit that out. Um, what was interesting was um, I was just watching it yesterday. Was the episode where Glenn Bishop stopped by, and he was about to ship off to Vietnam. 
And uh, you, you mean the scene that I really wish like a bomb got dropped on? That scene was so no, no, cool. not that scene. The scene later. Right. So there are two. Take your pick. Scenes. Right. First one where she is a babbling schoolgirl when he shows up. <laughs> and then the second one where she is totally in command and she knows the score and she's driving the bus yeah. and she lets him down about as gently as she can and is, you know, a genuinely good person in that scene for, you know, one of the few times that I feel like we've seen Betty effectively display human qualities. Display adult qualities. Right. Adult qualities is what exactly what yeah. I was going to say. Because, yeah. like, the way you described it before, her going on like a babbling schoolgirl that was one that was just straight up because sally was in the room and and jealousy that was just girls being girls uh had nothing to do with glenn and when sally wasn't there she's like oh yeah no this is just a kid this is that weird kid that wanted my hair uh still oh i forgot oh god oh god but yeah Uh, there goes my sleep it was it was amazing to see them have Betty grow up like so quickly under such shitty circumstances. Like, yeah, it sucks she was... that's what it took. But uh, you know, yeah, you know, we, we've seen Betty go from you know this this woman child eating her daughter's ice cream, same of lamb, <laughs> to yeah, to like. Like staring death right down the fucking pupils and not flinching. Bam blam. Um, bam blam. Bam blam. Uh, yeah, no, and also like uh, as much as I don't want to give her like January Jones did a really good job in those last few episodes of of actually portraying that character. Sentence you ever thought you'd say? No. Um. But yeah, and I even beyond like the season finale, the episode before, just. Sally reading that note. Yeah. Like that was a moment that you've been waiting for the entire series is those two finally getting each other. Yeah. And that, that, that hit me maybe hardest of all that, that scene specifically. Um, so yeah. So yeah. So what I was saying was from just that, those last few moments of her with Glenn and, and fighting cancer, you know, to me that was enough to be like, okay, yeah, Megan's the worst. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that being said, before we get on to Megan, what I want to say is we can't let Betty off that hook that easily. Least favorite Betty subplot storyline. This is the one I wanted to get to. There are so many of them. Cheating while riding horses. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to say that's a big one. Her, her, her dalliance into equestrian sport, sport fair. That's a big one. Let us not forget the time she went to New York to find some girl that played a tuba or something. Oh, my God. That's right. For no reason. And then she colored her hair. Then there's Fat Betty. Well, I was going to say, this is making the thyroid sound like like a a high point. Her shooting birds. That was pretty cool. Wow. And and going to a uh, psychiatrist. A child psychiatrist. (laughs) <laughs> can i see you um man what else there's more oh everything with glenn which we already right can we all agree this is the last we're gonna mention glenn i can't promise that i can't either man <laughs> like if the, you guys if you guys need to go off later i'll i'll, I'll definitely join the team all right. like the balls 
that it takes to one just like cat like it's one thing if you you know when you cash a kid at a very young age it's like all right i don't know he's a kid he doesn't know how to act he doesn't know what he's doing and then it becomes very clear very quickly this kid shouldn't have any place in front of any sort of lens or camera or anything like that they had five Bobby Drapers. Thank you. That's exactly where I was going with that. That's exactly where I was going with that. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know if you're going to build it up any further, but like you can, here's what I imagine happened. You know, that scene in Mrs. Doubtfire where Robin Williams changes the ad, the telephone number on the ad. And like he makes like the four, like an eight or something. And like nobody calls except him. Mm. I imagine that Matthew Weiner like did that to like the open casting call time for like that part. He's like, Oh, the parts at it's at 12. Nope. It's at noon or it's at 12. No, it's at two. And so no one is there. Oh, no one's here. I guess I got to cast my kid. Yeah. And here's how you fire your kid. I would hold his room and say, you suck and get out of my face. In all likelihood, his kid. Get out of my face. (laughs) See you at dinner. (laughs) I would hope his his kid doesn't watch the show. Not at that young of age. I don't think his kids watch anything that has been on television or movies because they don't know how to be fucking entertaining. Yeah. So, like, just say, hey, yeah. Sorry, uh, we're not bringing your character back. That's all I just googled do. Matthew Weiner's stupid kid. I just want to see if there's any funny results. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful. You might get um, side-by-side shots with uh, Dan Gilbert's son. Oh, don't. Ooh. Man. <laughs> That's way low. Talk Man, about if I, if I your bull- kids into situations they don't want to be in. If I, got, <laughs> if I got a gun with one bullet. I know, I know I'm shooting. Yeah, that's an easy one. I mean, the, that kid's already got a disease. That's just really letting him down easy. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, favorite former coworker of our gang uh, who we did not uh, end up seeing back at the end. I got an easy one for that. Go for it. Ginsburg. I that's mean... The- well, Gitsburg was as well wrapped up uh, as it can be. Nibbleless well, in an insane asylum. Very literally, he was wrapped up and yeah. taken forcibly from the office. Straightjacketed. Uh, that computer, maybe you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't really get to see what happened with that computer. The IBM. Yeah. Um, hmm. Sal. I mean, I think it, for the fact that we're still talking about Sal. Is it Paul Kinsey? No, no I was the Hari Krishna. Yeah, after seeing him as a Hari Krishna, and like I don't know, I was, I was, I was, kind of. Is it Cutler? Did you kind of want to see Cutler? Cutler was. The, I want to like to yeah. see at least once this final seven to see like what actually happened. Yeah, how did they get rid of Cutler? Yeah. Well, it was kind of it was kind of assumed there that he was getting forced out because of everything he did, and he kind of raised his hand just to get his money. Right. <laughs> Right, he um, like, agreed yeah. to be bought out or something. True. Yeah, Cutler. Cutler was great. Uh, well, we've seen him, of course. Sal and Ginsburg are my one and two. Diana the waitress. No, fuck Kenzie. Fuck Diana the waitress. Uh, I feel like he was pretty well wrapped up uh, at at the beginning of this season. But uh, Joel Murray's character. Oh, uh, Freddie Rumson. Freddie Rumson. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. 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 yeah Freddie was great. Love Freddie. Freddie yeah. had a good redeeming. Uh, Freddie basically getting Don back, yeah, getting Don's yeah. shit back together. That, so that was um, pretty cool. I liked, I liked that. If it was later on, we we would it'd be fresher in our our memories. But um, yeah, Duck, it was great so to see get, Duck again. Yeah, yes. 
Uh, it was great. Scheming and it, whatnot. It was, and it was talked about uh, a bunch of places as well, but I remember noticing this specifically uh, when he goes to visit Pete in the hotel room and Pete sees him out and he like looks both ways for the exit. <laughs> like, wait, where the fuck am I again? Yeah. That was such a small but brilliant, like, fucking true acting moment. Here's here's what I imagine happened. He's in that hallway, and he looks one way, and there's an exit. He looks the other way, and there's Chauncey. <laughs> and that motherfucker picked the exit instead of going to get his dog. Oh, you're breaking Tony's heart right now. Love let's talk. Let's, t- let's All right. 948 Eastern Standard Time. Let's take five minutes and talk about Chauncey the dog, huh? Yeah, man. <laughs> right, you are. First of all, beautiful dog. Exquisite. Like, what kind of dog is was Chauncey? Do we remember? A golden retriever. Was he? I thought it was like, there's something else there. Long hair. Just gorgeous. No, that's, no, there's, because he's way too shaggy. It's possible. I don't know. Have a look. Oh, and I'm about to send you like 14 pictures of this dog, so. <laughs> I don't think you can send me one picture of this dog that I don't already have in my phone. <laughs> Well, there's like the one you definitely have. Sorry, this is this is the point of the podcast where we send each other pictures of dogs. Here's a picture of a dog exactly. petting. So Chauncey was Duck's dog who, in a fit of drunken rage, he locked out of the house. and Locked mullet- him out of the office? Huh? He was in the office. Chauncey was in the office? Yeah, that's the office door, I'm pretty sure. I thought he locked him out of his house. No, the, no, his house doesn't have those. Look at the picture. Look at. Trust me, I've analyzed this like the fucking Zapruder film. Those are not house handles on that door. Why would the dog be at the? At the he office? was in the office. Cause look at. Did I send you the fourth picture? The picture. I, yeah, he's in the office. He ducks petting him with desks around. Oh yeah, that is not a. That is. Yeah, his and his wife. I remember his wife and son visited Duck at the office and brought Chauncey. Yeah, Irish like, Setter. We have to. Yeah, we. Oh, it's Irish Setter. So you don't know this. Turns out you don't know Chauncey at all, Tony. Maybe I don't know you. I guess not. That is a beautiful dog. Rich just showed me a picture. Hold on. There's another one that someone made. It's uh. That is a handsome dog. Have you seen me? XOXO. Chauncey. (laughs) Yeah, Chauncey is uh. Chauncey's a legend in his or her own time. Um. It's interesting, yeah. Cha- well, Chauncey, I'm guessing, has to be male. I'm just basing it off of Chauncey Billups. Uh, you know, another moment, because I always forget about a lot of the stuff in the old office. And how can we forget about the tractor? Oh, no, the, the tractor was on my list. Tractor's okay. a top five madman moment, right? Okay, good. Yes. Yeah, the John Deere episode is great. Yeah. And Joe, with maybe one of the best lines of the series, is one day you wake up and everything's fine, and next the secretary's running over your leg in the middle of an office in America. And it's just like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's life. And uh, just the wonderful scene of just uh, fucking, who is it? Harry. Sprayed with Pete. blood. Yeah. Who all sprayed with blood? I think that, those are the two main ones. The other two characters. I don't think Ken's there. No, it's like Harry and Kinsey, right? 
It's uh yeah, it's Harry Kinsey. So I don't recognize this lady. I think she was Harry's. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Kinsey's secretary, and this other wormy fucking looking guy. Nice, covered in blood. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Most most shocking moment in the show, or like the moment in the show that made you feel really uneasy when you first watched it. Mm. Oh well, uneasy. There's a ton in yeah. terms of being shocked by him. Um. One easy, I would go with fucking Joan getting raped in an office by her fucking boyfriend who'd later be her husband. That was unnerving, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that, was, was, that was up there. Dr. Yeah, that's up there for me. Uh, how about Roger in Blackface? Which I actually sent you a picture of a minute ago. I, I Yeah, I haven't uh, been seeing the pictures, but I showed... Um, I, sh- I came across a picture Coincidentally... Myself. Yeah, Rich having to pull up the same picture. Yeah, um, Grandma Ida. That whole scene was very unnerving because you didn't know which way that was going to go. Oh, the oh yes, in uh, yeah, the burglar, the, the burglar. Yeah, and, where it's Sally, where it's just like yeah. her and Sally, and like yeah. she just has that look on her face, like you don't know what's going to happen here, and like anything is in play. Absolutely, very unnerving. Yeah, that was bad. Um, also, I'll put up there. Um, fuck, now I just lost. It. Son of a bitch, let me find it. Um, uh, oh, when Don's ch- I, when Don's like choking the woman out in his dream. I th- oh yeah, I, he kills her. Yeah. I threw a, a pillow second, across like, the room. Yep, because it's like nope, that. That's exactly what's meant to happen. <laughs> uh, John Ham going to real life rehab. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh so hard at that, but yeah, you're you're one hundred percent right. Um, I would say I, I, we haven't mentioned Lane's death at all. I would say that it wasn't like you definitely saw it coming the entire time, yeah. but still the the unnervingness of seeing the fallout of it, like just how drawn out it is, like them like taking him off the door and like seeing all that that yeah. that hits hard. Yeah, every time I see it and watch it. Um. Yeah, I think I think we covered all those pretty. The scene where Cosgrove gets shot in the face, like I seriously thought he was dead. I thought they just killed. I, so him. did I. Yeah, I think they. Oh my god, they killed Kenny. Yeah, seriously, it was exactly <laughs> that. Yeah, it was it was precisely that moment. Uh, uh, Sally uh, catching her dad bare assed with the neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is the exact opposite of one of my fu- favorite and most funniest moments when she catches Don. She catches Roger getting a Hummer at the codfish ball yeah. by her new <laughs> step grandmother. Hey man, hey, that worked out apparently. So you know those two lovebirds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go. Funny, funniest moment. I mean, it's it's really hard to pick just one. Funniest moment. Boy, that's tough. We might need to come back to that. Yeah, there are so many. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Um, oh, oh no, I have mine. Go for it. Hands down. Pizza House? Pizza <laughs> I, You know me. I love Pizza House. Yeah. <laughs> Pizza House is definitely up there. Uh, for most extended funniest thing, uh, Don and Lane's like night out where they go to see like the fucking Godzilla movie. 
and Lane's just like yelling at people in Japanese. Then he puts the stake on his belt buckle. <laughs> Fucking love that a whole episode and that's those scenes particularly. Uh, but no, the correct answer is Pizza House. <laughs> okay, now for me, one of the subtly funniest scenes is where um, right after Pete gets the telegram that his mother's been thrown over the boat, he gets in touch with his brother Bud and they're sitting in the office and they're in touch with the authorities wherever she happened to be. And they say, well, you know, yes, it would be possible for us to conduct you know, a massive search of the sea and, you know, no expense will be spared. And they like mute the phone and Pete's like, well, how much exactly would it cost? And then he <laughs> kind of looks across at Bud and Bud just like raises his eyebrows like, well, <laughs> she, she was very old. <laughs> I uh, thought that was a great scene. Yeah. Another great scene was... Uh, Pete Campbell's family rivalry just <laughs> coming to the Scots oh, coming yeah. to light out of nowhere. Them being like the Hatfields and McCoys all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah, that was that was very good. Um, I Lane also love punching out Pete was a great funny scene. Oh, certainly. Yep, gotta mention the Lane and the Lane and Pete fight was the thing I was just about to bring up. Yeah, call me crazy, but am I the only one that wants to see this? <laughs> Another great Roger moment. Just Don, like, Don coolly closing the shades. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, this is like, happening. draws the curtains immediately. Just, like, he knows what's going to go down. He's drawing those shades. And then, of course, Bert has to, like, this is barbaric. <laughs> having to add his snobbish fucking line in it. But he stays to watch. Of course. Yeah, you're going to stuck in fucking oh, hell yeah, watch. you stay to watch. Yeah. Uh, this is, um, we'll come back to plenty other hilarious moments in Mad Men history. But this is just kind of a weird thing from like a, a programming perspective. And I remember uh, uh, for the last stretch of Breaking Bad, they got to drop like one F word. And then mm -hmm. I remember for the season finale of, I guess, well, now two seasons ago for, for Walking Dead, um, they, they wanted to really bad for Rick to say they just fucked with the wrong people, but they couldn't. They couldn't get the okay for it. Right. There were like a lot of f bombs dropped in this season. Yeah, I think, uh, and I a lot of that is just Matthew Weiner just not giving a fuck and being so fed up with AMC that he's just like, "I'm doing it. What are you gonna do to me?" <laughs> like, yeah, but you still got to get like the okay. Like they uh, still at the end have final say in everything. Like, I think it was kind of like an olive branch between the two, and also them realizing like, look, Mad Men gave us everything. If it wasn't for Mad Men, there is no cash cow that's walking dead there is no cash cow now that is breaking bad you yeah. wouldn't think of that that however I mean, long ago the clout to be able to do those other two yeah yeah it put it put them on the map to make i mean let's face it Mad Men is the one that started it all and will forever be behind those two shows in terms of everything popularity money making it'll always be behind those two shows which sucks but makes sense with just the interests yeah. of this country so I think it was kind of like a like, look, I've gotten you this far. Here's a list of things I want. And that probably was on there and they just didn't even fucking blink or bat an eye to it. It really means nothing. <laughs> like, No, I mean, yeah, it's it's a, a stupid fight that's always going to be fought because yeah. of 
fucking whatever, but and nobody cares. Nobody cares. You know, yeah. it's the same thing. It's like uh, you know, in uh in the last half of the last season where Mathis accidentally drops an F bomb in a pitch. Mm-hmm. And Doc yeah. says to Pete, like, look, it's not the first time they've heard the word Pete. Yeah. Like you you gotta respect your viewers a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. look, it's not the first time they've heard the and, word. And not the words of the show's not meant for children. If children are watching it, they're not understanding any part of it. They're not enjoying it anyway. So it's most for certainly adults. like everybody. Knows. In the words of Bert, Bert Cooper to Pete Campbell, "Who cares?" <laughs> uh, here's here's a quick little side game I want to play. I was curious. I had to look this up. Closer to close to the pin. How many episodes of Mad Men was Glenn Bishop on? Hmm. Martin Holden Weiner. Ugh, what a fucking twit. What a name. That's a serial killer name right there. Absolutely. Uh, how many episodes was he on? I want to say... All right, uh, can you tell us how many episodes there were total of the series? I believe 96. Let me double check. It feels like... It's either 96 or 98. I can't remember. It feels like 20. 2021 is my guess. Uh, Mad Men, there were... Nine, oh, sorry, 92 episodes of Mad Men. 92 episodes? Yes. All right, I'm going to say 11 out of 92. Wow, Tony, you are on point, sir. 12 is the correct answer. Yeah, he was in so many more. He was in four in season one. Right. Then he was in one in season two, and then he skipped season three altogether, was in three episodes season four. Then it was in two episodes, season five was in one episode. No, was in, it looks like one episode in season six. Yeah. And then he was in the one episode, the back half of season seven. Yeah. So it was 12 total. 12 total. Yeah. From according to IMDb. And then so he's uh, in about one out of every eight shows. Yeah. And then uh, he's uh, his only other credit on IMDb is in weird science Two: strange chemistry, which is some short. He plays a nerd. Surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Stretch roll. Um, other weird random Mad Men moments. Uh, Joan crushing the accordion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good one. Good one. Uh, how about remember when uh, they gave Peggy that like exercise thing in season one and it ended up just being like a giant like panty vibrator? <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a vibrator. <laughs> that yeah, like was that awesome. toning, whatever thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I like this category. Random, most random fucking things. Um, how about the random ass cameos? Like all, like all of a sudden, it's like, oh hey, look, there's Mr. Belding. <laughs> like, why is Mr. <laughs> Belding on this show? Ted McGinley, who terrified me. You remember uh, when uh, Colin Hanks was a priest? Oh yeah. That's oh worrying. no, that was Colin Hanks. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, trust me, I'm not gonna misremember a Colin Hanks role. That's right, part of the reason I Yeah, that's the reason I stopped liking Colin Hanks. Oh, come on. That's not fair. Um, uh, Ted Shaw being a pilot. That was a very underrated funny moment when he's fucking with Don, taking him on the plane, and Don looks terrified. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Um, hmm. Trying to think. What else? I mean, there's. Oh, there's just so many. Um, I feel like I'm missing like I feel like we're missing a lot of Pete stuff. 
aside from missing where his original hairline was. To this day, every time I whip out that chip and dip. Yep. <laughs> the reason I own a chip and dip. <laughs> Pete Campbell's the reason I blew 20 bucks on fucking Black Friday for a chip and dip that I've used now actually quite a lot. It's for entertaining. Good, I'm it glad. Is. Yeah. Rich, as soon as, as soon as you left me, I uh, started using the chip and dip you cursed. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. Uh, most badass moments. Let's, let's get into some badass Don moments, huh? Badass Don moments? Like, 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 like the most bomb-ass Don moments. Yeah. yeah just that so aren't him That aren't him unlawfully fingering somebody. Uh, one that I was I came across when I was scrolling through just I just searched Mad Men GIF, and uh, one that I came across was uh, I think it was Ginsburg in the elevator saying, uh, "Oh God, what was it? Um, oh, like I don't think of you at all or something." Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like yeah. this is why uh, I think people don't like you. It's like that's why I don't think. Of, well, I don't. Yeah, I don't think about you at all. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, cut me. That's a- Oh, That's a badass one. Yeah. I mean, I think as far as the most badass Don lines, the most badass one has to be that's what the money was for. That's what the money was for. Yeah. When Peggy asks why he never says thank you, he says that's what the money was for. <laughs> I think that's that's like the ultimate cutting like shut it down Don Draper line. Yeah. yeah. And we're, I, I, I want to get into Don and Peggy like uh, separately in a second. Uh, I also one of mine just because I love him and Duck is just when he owns fucking Duck in that meeting when Duck's trying to get uh, PPL to buy them. And he's like, that sounds like a great agency. Shame I won't be there. Oh, yeah. And it's like in a span of two and a half minutes, Duck goes from like going to be running this entire agency to not even involved in it. Yeah. Was just fucking badass as shit. Uh, yeah, that was so funny, right? Because Duck thought that he had a contract, and Don was like, "I don't have a contract. I don't have a contract." Mm-hmm. And then he was like, "Oh fuck." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was. I think that was one of the most like. Mister Sheffield was in the room. Yes, he was. In my opinion, like one of the most like defi- for me anyway, one of the most defining moments of the show was Pete trying to narc out Don to Bert. Mm-hmm. And Bert just being like, dog, I don't give a fuck. And then, of course, Bert using it later to actually finally lock Don yeah. up and holding it over his head. But, yeah, still, then that one moment of like, oh, shit, this entire series is about to change. Nope. Psych. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Favorite thing that uh, happened in California during the show. It's going to bring up California. And, like, I don't know. How do we feel about the whole California venture? Like at the end, like or? the last, just like no, 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 no. no. Oh. Uh, uh, when they when they originally went out west, like the first time. Um. Well, the episode where like he kind of like just shacks up that entire time with that woman and those random yeah. people. I I wasn't a big fan of that episode or that arc in general, but I liked what California represented in terms of Anna and kind of the emotional crux of the show for a very long time. Um. And just like what what in the 60s California kind of represented. Right. Of, you know, kind not, of to, a, not to steal like Disneyland, like Tomorrowland and just the opportunity and the, the fame and the fortune and a, kind of a, where everything was going. A new day manifest destiny type of. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it was like where he and Megan fell in love when he had his kids out there for like the Disneyland trip and he mm-hmm. had her out there as his secretary, but like they really hit it off and it was, you know, it was always a very happy place for Don, but then it was like he also grew up there in a whorehouse. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's that. And he found enlightenment or at least satisfaction. Yeah. Also, uh, you brought up like his growing up. Uh, is it sad that I laugh when Don's dad got kicked in the head with a horse? Nope, I did. <laughs> and also because uh, when, do it again. Oh, who does he tell that to? And the person laughs. I think it's Peggy, right? <laughs> it's like my dad died getting kicked in the head by a horse, and <laughs> Peggy starts laughing. Well, Peggy's from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> oh. From the last time we talked about uh, I talked about memo, I got to bring up how sad are you that we didn't get to see what's his Diego or what's his name, the kid from downstairs. I, I Julio. Julio. Oh, Julio. Yeah, Julio, man. I liked Julio. I was I was on Team Julio. Everyone, I know you're Team Julio. As everyone that wants to believe in Breaking Bad, that Jesse went off and got Brock. I want to believe that Stan and Peggy adopt Julio. I'm for it. Not even like adopt him in like a a, a kidnap him paternal role. Yeah, just like a just go on the lamb with him. Yeah, like come hang out with this kid. Like, but forever. Just give him all the popsicles he could want. Yeah. (laughs) Julio. (laughs) Fucking Julio. Um. Yeah, more badass. uh, Badass Don pitches. All right, let's let's just put out there. Is is the carousel still the, the best moment in the show? Like if you had like gun to your head had to pick like the best moment in the show. That's not just an entire episode, which I think you then you can make the case for the suitcase. Or a couple other episodes. It's certainly cuz what episode is that in the run? Which one? Suitcase? No, the carousel. Oh, carousel, it's yeah. uh, season finale season 1. Right. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. And the suitcase is when again? Season five. Like yeah. Season three. four. It's season four. Four. Yeah. It's when. Uh. It's when they're struggling. And like, yeah. w- like, there's great moments all in between that and everything. It's definitely. Uh, I feel like it's a moment where, and you know, it's no coincidence that it's the the season finale. But just in in talking to a lot of people that have tried to get into Mad Men, and give up, which I've talked to a lot of people that do that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I got like about half a season through, season and a half through. Yeah. And it's like, if you get to the, if you watch Carousel, that's that pitch. And you're still like, well, I don't know. We'll see. Like, I don't know. That's defining. It's definitely the best moment in the show up to that point. Overall, I haven't watched it in a while, so I don't know. Tony, what do you think? It still holds up. Um, it definitely holds up. There are. There's a couple moments, I think, where, um, I don't know. There's maybe a couple of moments that are just as affecting, maybe. Right. Um, you know, specifically in the last episode, I think there's a lot of really affecting moments. And, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of great interaction. I don't really feel like the carousel is, I mean, it's not really an interaction. I mean, it's, it's a monologue. Of, yeah. Yeah. It's a monologue. And it's a fantastic one, and it's you know gorgeously shot. Um, you know, it's certainly up there. It's certainly up there with many of the most affecting moments. Um, 
I think specifically in the suitcase episode where Don gets the call that Anna's died and he's just mm-hmm. weeping in front of Peggy. Um, that's a really affecting moment. Um, I would yeah. say also, if, if you want to go monologue wise, um, the, the Hershey, the Hershey pitch, pitch. yeah, it might be even more so because again, it's not like, cause it's honest. Yeah. And it's honest and it's, but it's also seeing everybody react to it as well. Um, which you get with the carousel with fucking Harry crying and everyone else just being like slack jawed. But with that, it's, it's six seasons of building up to everybody, like kind of getting to know who he is. Yeah. And I think that's, what's especially, I mean, I think that really the show is, is built essentially around those two pitches is like the first season is Don, like, telling you that he's a liar you know the first episode you know it shows him going to sleep around with his mistress and you know he's like this you know hot shot and then at the end like the shock reveal is that he's like a suburban family man you know so that first season is like about him like doubling and tripling down on his lies he denies his brother who kills himself you know so much stuff happens in that first season like that and then at the end of season six he's just like fuck it this is who i am and that's that's really what the show is about is about like a man reconciling multiple identities and sort of creating a coherent sense of self and that really comes through in the hershey pitch um in a way that you know the carousel seems great at the time in hindsight, though, I mean, it's completely fraudulent because it's not clear that Don really feels those emotions. I mean, it's clear that True. he can sell those to other people, but it's not clear that he really feels them. Of course. Um, and I, I like something you said earlier about the interactions because every, like you said, every every interaction in the suitcase with Peggy and even later, kind of their true goodbye to one another in uh, the episode where they dance to My Way. Yeah. Um, and even when she leaves the agency. And he 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 kisses her hand, and they kind of have that powerful moment. Those are more affecting of any than any pitch that he ever made, or any like kind of monologue he gave. Those those interactions are the ones that stand out more than than anything. Right. Um, I want to mention like underrated moments. Like what? Like we already talked about some, but we more so talk about like things that are just like, oh yeah, I remember how this random thing happened. Is there anything that anybody feels like just like doesn't get enough love or doesn't get enough play, whether it be like performances, characters, scenes, anything? The, um, I think there were plenty of kind of fun things that just got dropped that like you just never heard about them again. It was like, you know, they just got dropped. Like uh, Peggy was going to go out with Mathis's brother-in-law. Like they were going to they were like all set to go to Paris, and then like the yeah, like it was just dropped. Yeah. Um, um the the one that I was thinking of was uh more Don and Joan. The one scene of Don and Joan at the fucking bar mm. was awesome. And I remember specifically texting Tony, be like, "Dude, I, you could they could charge a hundred bucks on pay per view just to like show those two fucking." And I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm in." <laughs> I would watch like those t- two go at it. For- It'd be like a Tyson yeah. fight. Like- I feel like a lot of people would. I feel like a lot of people would pay money to see that. Like, get your buddies over. Let's watch these two fuck for like 32 minutes. And then we all go home. Uh, 12 rounds. <laughs> I just came across a gif of uh, Pete Campbell in the uh, uh, 
creative room, just sitting on a couch, smoking a joint. Oh, that's a great. Yeah, I love the that where he just gives up and he's like, fuck it. That's really the change in Pete. I think from that moment on, yeah. he kind of like was on the path to redemption. Um, Anyone happy? We Anyone find not seeing Bob again? Bob Benson? Yes and no, actually. I don't know, and this may have just sort of like played in to like real life stuff because I know you and I would talk about the crazy ones every now and then. Yeah, the the, the modern day ad agency show that he was on. I just like yeah, just James Wolk is just fucking good. Yeah, I I wanted to see him act more. Is probably more so what it was. The character itself, I feel like came in interjected a lot of randomness and a lot of craziness and got a lot of people like stirring and talking about what he, like yeah. remember the crazy ass bob benson theories he, oh god yeah <laughs> well like actually, ma- i mean it turns out he may have been an accomplice to murder so right <laughs> i mean some of them weren't so crazy i mean right up there with like Megan's going to get murdered by the Manson family and mm-hmm. Don Draper's going to end up being D.B. Cooper. Let's remember that everyone thought like that Bob Benson was like an alternate universe Don Draper or was like <laughs> one of Don Draper's illegitimate children or like some of the craziest fucking shit ever. Or, like he was going to be like the son of Sam or something. Yeah, there was a lot of like Bob is a malevolent force. Yeah. Kind of thoughts and I don't know. It was just that he sort of came out of nowhere and yeah. was a little too friendly. And he was kind of like a, a incarnate of just like real quick a shot of chaos. Yeah. And yeah. Also, that quote was, "I feel bad for you. I don't think about you at all." Uh, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, that's another cool Ken moment, by the way. Is uh, the first episode of Bob when Bob sends like a uh, like a giant deli tray to Roger's mom's funeral. <laughs> And Ken's like, yeah, don't do that ever again. Like, what are you trying to do? I know Ken, of course, being like the one purely good person out of everything. Just being like, yeah, I'm on you. You suck. <laughs> Was another cool, uh, another cool Ken moment. Um, What else? Best death. Ooh. I uh, was... Man, I I really particularly liked um, maybe not the death, but the the musical number that followed of from Bert, Bert Cooper's death. Like just that bro- was just real. I love when shows kind of like just do something when they kind of just stand up and say, "And now something for now for now time for something completely different." Right. Yeah, I, I would go with Bert uh, tied with the hilarity that was Ida Blankenship's death. That was a great death. Just that, just that whole scene, and it just being played out in the back, and her oh, just the blanket and the falling. That's I think wasn't it Harry? And Harry's like, that's my mom's blanket or something like that. <laughs> this Harry getting shit on, even this old lady dies. Was yeah, the scenario was, great. was like there was a client meeting going on in the big conference room or something, and they had to like yeah. walk the client right past a dead woman, so they like just covered <laughs> her with a sheet. Yeah, like Dr. Faye was like holding like some meeting in there and the yeah. clients like they want so like they poured a blanket and like they were wheeling her around in the chair. Oh, oh so good. Poor um, Blankenship. And back uh, to, to Lane for a second. Um like because I remember when, when Lane first came onto the show and not being accepting of him. Just I wasn't 
I wasn't a fan of like bringing it, like it. It just felt like pretty random and and contrived bringing in like the British. They were what like investors or something. I don't know. Ex- no, they were they were like another ad agency. They were like another ad agency. I, that's the thing is like I don't really I, I didn't quite like. Yeah, they bought Sterling Cooper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it just seemed very contrived. Like I don't know. Like it felt like a say... move where they were trying to bring diversity into the show, but like British diversity. <laughs> Like, like we're, we're f- it was really weird, and so I was we're very a few much. Years... Hmm? I would say we're a few years away from the diversity that everyone probably should have in this show, but then still, let's add British people. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Let's get more Anglo, huh? Yeah, and whiter. Yeah, and so I was. Yeah, I was never really that, and bring Lane into my my heart with open arms, and then just as the show went on, just. Grew so attached to him, and then, and then, yeah, and then that death, like, really yeah. fucking, yeah. I, I will say that, that whole story ended with my personal favorite episode above anything else is the season three finale. Shut the door, have a seat. I've watched that episode. I don't know how many times it never gets old to me. It is the perfect combination of because uh, we've talked about this before. Like, we love the office stuff. We love being in the offices and the minutia and seeing like how it plays out. And that's like an episode chock full of that, but then also seeing like these characters like come together and rally and like make their own agency. And that's oh, I love that episode so much. And that's like the 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 payoff to that whole long PPL storyline. Yeah. Um, it is a great yeah. Payoff, one, yeah, I just, there's so many like little funny cute lines in that episode that just if you haven't seen it, well, just watch it back. Um, um best. Our favorite use of historical events in the show. Uh, well, like, I was going to say one last one for for death. Oh uh, sure, uh, uh, Pete's dad dying in that plane crash. Oh god, <laughs> forgot about that. Now and now he now he fucking works for Learjet. Learjet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like as soon as the Learjet thing was even spoken about, I was like, "There." I mean, that's obvious. Like, how obvious? Like. His mom got thrown off a boat. His dad mm-hmm. died in a plane crash. Like, how is this guy not just going to eat it in a Learjet in like six months? <laughs> going to be like Payne Stewart. Yeah. Uh, oh, jeez. Uh, Allison Bree, most underrated cast member. Just want to throw that out there. She's awesome. Love her. She's great. Very great. Very versatile. Yes, She's a great absolutely. actress. I I cannot respect the choice that Trudy made at the end of the show, though. That well, makes no. no sense. <laughs> No, but you know those kids—they did the Charleston. Come on, it made zero sense for her and Pete to get back together. Yeah, but the Charleston—that's uh, <laughs> going to be my only argument. You just told me on, not just, to think about it. Just keep going back to they, it. They can dance a mean a mean jig together. Come on, <laughs> that's good. That's going to rivet. That's going to rivet weddings for decades. Uh, so yeah, favorite historical event in the show, or in terms of like what what happened around those historical events. Okay, so like favorite true to life occurrence. Yeah, and and like how the show used it. Um, speaking as a music fan, uh, I'm gonna say the episode. Um, I believe it was the season five finale. Maybe it's this. Uh, maybe it's season four finale where uh, Megan gives Don a copy of Revolver. It was Beatles. it was just in the middle of season five. Middle yeah. of season five. Yeah, middle of season five. Yeah, and he just turns it off. And she tells him to start at the end, and it's the song "Tomorrow Never Knows," which is like mm-hmm. the trippiest fucking song. 
and he plays it for like 30 seconds and then shuts it off. He's like, nope. Fuck this shit. He's like, oh, yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. It was uh, very symbolic. Yeah. My two would be, uh, we already talked about how Bert dies and just finally getting to the moon landing and how everyone reacts. Uh, but then my, my favorite would be the JFK assassination for the fact uh, that Peggy and D- uh, Duck are having sex and are the last people to find out about it. Yeah. And just, I mean, that entire, just everyone's reaction to it. They did a really good job of showing that, that like, how important that really was. But I just love that in, that instance they, of... I don't remember exactly. They did RFK's assassination too, right? Yeah. And wasn't that during the Ad Awards? No, that was... Was that? That was Dr. King, I believe. Yeah, I was going to okay, say, I think, okay. that was, I think that was Martin Luther King. But I remember they did something with, with RFK. RFK died like... Like Don and Megan were at home. It was like when their relationship was on the rocks. Yeah, that sounds, sounds about right. Into '68. Yeah. yeah. Let's also not forget uh, the suitcase episode, the fucking Clay Liston fight. I thought that was like, I thought that was really cool to, to you know, it might seem like small potatoes compared to everything else in the '60s, but it really isn't. No, it was very symbolic again. Yeah, again, yeah, very symbolic. And probably the show probably could have well it was you know i think they pulled it off all right but when you think about how like galvanizing and how <clears throat> you know how much we gather around like sporting events realistically it probably should have had a few more sporting events kind True. of well don't forget harry booked joe namath for that like christmas special or something that's right and Lane becoming a huge Mets fan. And I think they wanted to get Joe Namath to uh, advertise for Samsonite in the suitcase episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Way too much. Here's what we needed. Joe Namath, like, actually, like, today Joe Namath on the show, just getting drunk, hitting on waitresses and fucking <laughs> secretaries. He's going up to John. I want to kiss you. He oh, would be yeah. approximately like uh, Herb from Jaguar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't care about Lucky Strike. Let me kiss you. <laughs> um, a favorite random line from the last half of the last season was uh, Mathis telling Don <laughs> that Roger tells the story um, about him uh, making the joke, you know, to the Lucky Strike guys, mm-hmm. where apparently Don had said something like way out of turn and. At the next meeting, he says to Lee Garner Jr., like, well, you got a lot of balls coming back in here after the way you embarrassed yourself last time. <laughs> and the way that Mathis says, Roger tells that story, but the way he tells it, that Lee Garner Jr. was just thinking about jerking you off the whole time under the table. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there also something where... Uh... Wait, wait, wait. The only thing Don says to him is, you have a filthy mouth. <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't deny that it's true. He just says, "You have a filthy mouth." Because <laughs> well, also, you remember. I mean, he knows about Lee Garner Jr. with Sal, so he probably knows that's exactly what Lee Garner Jr. Yeah. was doing. Um. Also, I think it was in either it was. I think it was in season seven at some point. Where, like they're just like sharing what clients did, and Rogers blurts up, "I cut Lee Garner Jr.'s balls once." Flat out admits he just held Lee Garner Jr.'s nuts in his hand. Out of nowhere, I thought that was great. Favorite um, client? I was actually just going to bring this up. Uh, I have two. Uh, just for the randomness, fucking highlight. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh yeah. 
<laughs> Highlight was stupid as shit. Uh, and then the second one. Which, for the uh, record, no, I fucking love Highlight. Oh, so do I. I love Highlight too. We drive by it um, when we go to Ultima Mall all the time. And there's a big Orlando Highlight. It's like the oldest building I've ever seen. Uh, I really want to go. Um, second one I was going to bring motorcycles. up. Motorcycles. No. Conrad Hilton. Yes, that's Absolutely who I was going to say. Yeah. Absolutely I just love that actor. I always forget his name. He's a phenomenal character actor. Uh, he plays like the racist guy in the first Major League movie. Um, so, him above Mencken and Highline. Mencken's a client. Oh, yeah, Mencken, yeah, but I, I more so look at her as... She was a better mistress than a client. Yeah, she's a better mistress than a client. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't even... I, I didn't even think about her, really, as a, as a, as a client, unfortunately. Neither did Draper. Hey. I know. I'm trying to think of other ones. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good clients. See, Corlaxative, of course, has been there from the very beginning. Yeah, I and mean, it's you got to the last drop, so. <laughs> got to get one more in. Uh, Chelsea Ross is that actor's name. He's a great character actor. Just want to give him some props. Yeah, Connie. Yeah. Conrad Hilton. Yeah, he's great. Very good. Um, uh, who? Oh, uh, Ray Wise. He was. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't doubt. Don't I just. That's a, just another actor that I just fucking love. I could watch him do whatever. Pop tart. <laughs> What was that called again? Pop Tart. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> it was very good. Um, and who was uh? Oh God, the dad from Clarissa explains it all. He was on. He he was a client too, right? Wasn't he? Who was he again? Call on me. Uh, if I see him, I'll remember. Furious Googling. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I'm happy uh, not to have a computer. Oh, yeah. Um, shit. Hold on. There's a page. Oh, it was Trudy's dad. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and he comes out of a fucking whorehouse. Trudy's dad. Button in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> I actually found a list here of every client on Mad Men. Works for Vix. Um, let me see if any any of these stick out. Run through a list, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just going to run through. This is in order of season. Jesus. Great. Uh, Bill Jolie. Oh, I'll go through the ones that actually are real. Uh, well, no, I'll go through them all in case something strikes a bell. Bill Jolie, Bethlehem, Steel, Cartwright, Double-Sided Aluminum, Clearacell, Dr. Scholl's, Kodak, Liberty Capital, Lucky Strike, Mankins, Nixon 60, uh, Relaxicizer, Right card. Uh, also, it also has here like what their fate is. So, relaxicizer, consumer goods, fate banned. <laughs> uh, right card, vibrator. Yeah, Secor laxatives, Vix chemical, Heineken, Martisons coffee, Maytag, Mohawk, Playtex, Popsicle, Samsonite, Sea and Sky suntan lotion, Utz potato chips. Admiral Televisions, Alpine Real Estate, Bacardi, Bird's Eye, Cadbury, Caldecott Farms Dog Food, Campbell Soup, Chevron Oil, Consolidated Edison, Dunkin' Donuts, General Foods Europe, Gillette, Gorton's, Hilton, New York, Highlight, John Deere, Lever Brothers, London Fog, Madison Square Garden, North American Aviation, Pampers, Patio. Ooh, Patio's a good one just for the, the, the Sal scene. Uh, Rio de Janeiro, Snyder's Ketchup, United Fruits. 
Warner Brothers, Western Union, American Cancer Society, Dow Chemical, Fillmore Auto Parts, Glow Coat, Life Cereal, Mountain Dew, Ponds Cold Cream, Sugar Berry Ham, Topaz, Butler Footwear. I'm only on season five. Butler Chef, Footwear. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what about Burger Chef? Yeah. Burger, uh, it's coming up. Uh, uh, let me get through this. Chevalier Blanc, Cool Whip, Head Ski Company, Heinz Baked Beans, Jaguar, Manischewitz. Baked Beans. <laughs> The beans versus ketchup thing was great. Snowball, which I also love because that was the thing that started the uh, the whole thing between him and Ginsburg. Virginia Slims, Avon, Carnation, Chevrolet, California Avocado Commission, Fleshman's Margarine, Jaguar Dealers Association, Coss Headphones, Ocean Spray, Sheridan, St. Joseph's Hospital, Sunkist, Accutron, S Salt Fish and Chips, S California Chevrolet Dealers Association. Oh, they fucking forgot Burger Chef. <laughs> For all that, they don't Burger Chef. Oh. Right? That's a big plot point. Yeah, man. Yeah, Burger Chef's huge. That's a great moment of them sitting at Burger Chef. Did they Pete have Don Howard and... Johnson's in there, too? I, I, I didn't... Have what? Howard Johnson's. Uh, Well, wasn't that for... He went to the Hojo's for... Oh, yeah. you're talking about the Sherbert scene, right? That Sherbert, dog. Fucking orange Sherbert. I hate that shit. Good. Yeah, that's not on here either. Um, another no, another good Don moment of just him dropping the fucking dick on him uh, was when he wrote that that anti-smoking letter. Yeah. That was another just really good moment that played with some fun, good, cool fallout. Absolutely. Yeah, not afraid to take a risk. As it turns out. Just like just like the, the meeting with uh, what's the uh, what was the cigarette company at the end that he's bust in for uh in the meeting that uh cutler was in with fucking crazy ass lou oh yeah oh what all right what's the name of the cartoon scout's honor scout's honor sorry <laughs> god i want How that fucking dare you forget that <laughs> i want that to be like a like I want, like, you know how Better Call Saul? I want Scout's, Scout's Honor to be on AMC as, like, an animated series. At the very, like, Adult Swim should pick it up. And just, like, air it super late. Lou Avery had more or less, like, he was a real son of a bitch. Yeah. But he had more or less my favorite run on the whole show, where he spent the whole time talking about, I have a contract. <laughs> he was and then, great. like, right as they're about to try to find a way to get rid of him, he's like, I quit, suckers. They picked up Scout's Honor. I'm moving to Japan. <laughs> Eat my fucking nuts. I, I I pulled up Scout's Honor on Google, and I just love the first Google image of Scott Scout's Honor created by Lou Avery. This is Scout. He can take anything but an order. <laughs> it's so good. It's a stupid little monkey. Oh, Lou uh, Avery. What a great punching bag. He's great. Um. Alrighty, are we um, finally ready? really, really quick? Richard yeah. Berghoff. How did you feel about him? Why am I blanking blanking on this? Joni's uh, rich guy from the last. Oh season. yeah. Uh, oh. Fuck. Uh, what's his name? And the yeah. I, and the I hate your kid. I love your kid. I hate <laughs> that moment. Oh my god, that moment like was a fucking. I had a yeah, plan. Bruce <laughs> I just Crusher. love Bruce Greenwood as an actor. He's awesome. I said that when I I'm like this guy should have been on the show the entire time. Uh, yeah, and really hating the fit. character. Like he could have fit into the the the, the tapestry of the show yeah. very very well. Yeah, he could have easily been. He could have been uh, as much as I love Harry Hamlin. He would have made a great Jim Cutler. Yeah, like he would have fit in very easily. But yeah, the character kind of ended up being a 
bit of a shithead. Where I was hoping that was going to be what Joan wanted and needed. Them just going to Key West and getting stoned all the time? Yeah, them just doing coke? I was terrified. I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to overdose. Yeah. <laughs> she's going to go all Len Bias on us. Like that scene in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but again, I, I like that because it was one of the many... <laughs> I'm coming to your house. <laughs> don't bring that fucking Fuck phone out here. To my house. Prank caller. Prank caller. I don't know who this is. <laughs> Crashes in the side of the house. Well, you bite the fucking bullet and you take her to a hospital. All right. Um. Uh. I do. I do like that. That was like another one of the subtle little Coke hints that it's like, ooh, Coke makes you feel good. <laughs> I think it was like Jones line or something. Yeah. Like, oh. Tack. Oh, that's fast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> on. Tack it on. I just have to share this. This is this is totally unrelated to anything. But uh, when I was pulling up uh, who the actor was that played Conrad Hilton, I I I, want, I came upon the Major League Wikipedia page. Uh, does anyone know what the original ending to Major League was? No. Uh, does Charlie Sheen kill the manager? No. <laughs> With like a wild pitch. <laughs> no. You, you don't. How dare you! fucking killed James Gammon. He's awesome. No, the original ending of the movie is supposed to be that Rachel Phelps is like a hero the whole time and did it on purpose. To motivate them? Yeah. I think I remember hearing that somewhere. Fuck that. I'm glad yeah. they didn't do that. Yeah, I'm glad they did the <laughs> yeah. one they did. That would have sucked. But they actually filmed it. I'd like to see it. Just like, I'm, <laughs> they I'm morbidly it. curious. It's sitting somewhere? Um, yeah. Oh, it is on the DVD. Oh, good. I have that. I'll watch that. <laughs> good. Let us know. I will. Let us know how that how that shapes up. I'm 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 fine if you don't let me know. Okay, fine. Uh, I'll let Rich know. So yeah. I have the the castles here, and I kind of want to talk about like what we think about the actual actors themselves, and sort of what they have done, what they can do. Um, but also we still have to talk about the ending as a whole. Yes, I, I do. I have, a, I have a pitch for this actually, Rich. Uh, how you were doing earlier, buying and selling stock on the characters. Can we buy and sell stock on the, on actors? the actors? Yes. Let's do that. So, yeah, you want to go through this now then? Yeah, let's do this before we hit up that final ending. Cause we're, I knew this um, was going to be a marathon show. I've been saying this for, for years now. Bye, 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 bye. I'm well, bye. yeah, bye, yeah. obviously. I know, I'm just prefacing so you can go on. But now that John Hamm is done racking up Emmy nominations as one of maybe the top five dramatic actors on the planet right now, he can move on to finally being the best comedic actor on Earth. He's going to kill it. He's gonna he, uh, I doubt either of you have watched Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> no, but I've heard you gush over him on that show, and somebody he, else did as well. He's in the last two episodes. And he's he's just mind-numbingly great. The show itself can like get kind of annoying at times. It's fine, uh, but the last two episodes are like are must see on their own for him and him alone. He just he just fucking he just can do it all, man. It's 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 stupid. And it makes you. It should make you hate him, but you just love him even more. He's the best. He's gonna be the funniest fucking person, and he's already friends with like all those funny. He's what he's what James Franco wishes he could be. Like James Franco has all the funniest friends in the world, and he thinks and he should be that funny, and he's not. 
Whereas, <laughs> whereas John Hamm is perfectly fine letting his funny friends be funny friends, but he could just crush them in an instant. Yeah, he's uh, like I want him. He should get the, the the Christopher Walken card on SNL now. Like any like yeah. every season, if you want it, it's yours. Yeah, and he's only on like I feel like Louie has that, and it's great. But Ham should be on that show as much as possible. Yep, he kills it. The sketch where uh, he and Michael Bublé opened a restaurant called Ham and Bubbly that only served uh, champagne and pork. <laughs> but like great. the conceit of the scene was that like Michael Bublé was like sort of singing a jingle to it, but like he was not a willing participant in the restaurant. Like clearly, John Ham had had like threatened him physically to be there. It was it was so funny just watching their faces. Yeah. Yeah. And Ham and Bubbly. Yeah. Um, Ham was also, he did uh, a, a short run on 30 Rock, which I saw like a, an episode here or there of. And then he was on the last episode of Parks and Rec season six, first episode of Parks and Rec season seven. And again, just like stole the show. Let's not forget how good he is in Bridesmaids. Of course. Um, uh, I'm sure he was hilarious in that Million Dollar Arm movie. Million Dollar Arm, sure. Who could forget it? <laughs> um, and then that one where he's a detective somehow. The oh, town. The town? Oh, he's great. Yeah. It's great in the town. Great in the town. Like, Saw that great. movie. Do not remember him even being in it. Uh, yeah, he's, he's good in it, but he's not important. Great in the A Team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, was he in that? <laughs> like the very end. He's uh, he's, what's his name? I forget the character's I name. Yeah. Uh, oh god, he's gonna be like the guy that like if they if the eighteen took off, he would have been like their leader, like the guy that sends them on missions in the yeah. sequel, basically. Ugh. I forget the character's fucking name. Um, all right, so no brainer, John Hamm. Yeah. Elizabeth Moss. I'm buying a lot too. Uh, before this, I didn't I didn't know this, but she had. A reoccurring role on the West Wing. Yeah, Zoe as, uh, Zoe Bartlett. As Zoe Bartlett. And she's done a few things. Uh she did that show Top of the Lake. Very good. Which she got won a Golden Globe for, she's I believe. Uh, yeah. I haven't Wanna seen see? it, but I heard she was great. Same. I've watched it, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um that Noxima commercial or whatever that sometimes they'll randomly play even though it's like fifteen years old. So yeah, do we do we know do we have any idea of like what she's doing? Like um, what's next for her? She's a Scientologist, so I think she I didn't want to bring that up, but yeah, yeah, she's a Scientologist, and she also is married to Fred Armisen, so she's really, really, yeah. Well, huh. she was, and then he cheated on her with Abby Elliott. Abby Elliott, huh? Yeah, because I think they're married now. Well, everybody makes choices. Yeah, man. Yeah, but Cause, I, I see, yeah, because because you actively want to be around Chris Elliott every ho- holiday. <laughs> Well, just because you're fearful he's going to have that hand and put it in the turkey like Scary Movie 2. Good point. Um, uh, Vincent, I, I, sorry, I feel like she's going to have a great television career. I don't see her doing a lot of movies. And yeah. she was great in Get Him to the Greek. Uh, I feel she could, again, have a really good future in comedies. But I think she's going to be a TV person. And I'm fine with that because she's great. Yeah. Uh, Vincent Carthizer. Man, it was a good run. Is he... I think he's kind of along the same lines as uh, the kid that played Joffrey on Game of Thrones. I think I read somewhere like he just kind of like going to hang it up after this. He's a crazy person. Right. I, I remember we talked about this before that he's like he lives. He's like one of those simple living people, which like I'm fine with. I'm not going to like shit on you for it. But like he lives in like a one room shack and shits in a hole. 
Speaking of crazy people, January Jones. Uh, yes, yeah, sell. Yeah, um, there's a sell-by date with January Jones. I, don't, I mean, it's a sad thing to say, but I don't think she's a very talented actress. She's not. So I think it's the sell-by date is sadly when her looks fail. Which well, and personally, personally, she's a home record that has a bastard. So let's just throw that out there. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's the reason that Bobby Flay is getting divorced. And she's and Bobby Flay's probably her bastard son's father. I mean, Either I really wish Bobby stinkers. Flay well. So I, I mean, I think he's a real piece of shit. So <laughs> yeah, let's sell on January Jones. But she's got bad judgment anyway. So fuck her. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and hopefully that she will be written out of the second season of The Last Man on Earth. Hopefully, um, so I can start watching it. Uh, can I buy all of the Kiernan Shipka stock that's on offer? I'm down for that. She is very good. Is she like the next Shailene Woodley, only like twice as good? Uh, I'm a, she does have her little moments. I mean, granted, she's what, like 16 years old? Something like that. Where like she, like she, I feel like she's spent too much time around January Jones, potentially. 15. 15? Yeah. But yeah, she, she's got a bright-ass future. She actually uh, was on one episode of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt as well. Like, did nothing in it. Like, uh, sadly, very underused. But it was good to just start seeing her pop up in, in other shit. Yeah. I feel like she could have an Emma Watson com- career more so than Shailene Woodley. That. Too. And then I, I feel like she's going to get more big-budget things. Even though Shailene Woodley does that now, too, but... I could see her getting like a Hunger Games eventually or something. Yeah, something like or that. Or whatever the next one of those is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christina Hendricks. I'm never going to say no. Uh, neither am I, but I feel like if it was going to happen, it would have started already. Because, like, <laughs> she was in Drive. That's the only other thing. And how many years ago was that? Several. No. This, this, this show was perfect for her in terms of kind of her look and her her demeanor. I would love to see her branch out and do... The only other thing I've ever seen her in was, unfortunately, because I lost a, a bet on her, one of our other shows, I saw her in Life As We Know It, that Catherine Heigl, Josh Duhamel shit show. Cool. Uh, and she was one of the, the parents that got killed in a car accident. Uh, so I'd like to see her in, like, a romantic comedy. Maybe she's got some chops, you know? Yeah. But... I, I, I Outlook, not good. Yeah, unfortunately, I I agree with you. I don't want that to be the case, but I mean, also look at who she's married to. Let's not talk about it. Like this weird-looking character actor. Tell me, have you seen Fifty? Uh, have you seen a uh, Five Hundred Days of Summer? Yes. The weird best friend. Like the bug eyes. Uh, either one of them, actually, because they're both only human beings. Is that the same guy from Wet Hot American Summer? Not yeah. the same guy. No, no, but no, I no. know who you're talking about. Okay. Well, you're thinking about the right guy, though. Married. Been married. Long time. Huh. Uh, oh! Yes. Yeah, I know the guy you're talking about. Yeah. He was most recently in, like, a fucking Travelocity commercial or some shit. Quote Justin Wagner. He gets those. <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh uh, cast member with the uh, a baseball uh, with uh, a name most like a baseball player, or it sounds like a baseball player. Aaron Stanton, Ken Cosgrove. Uh, he, yeah, he'll pop up in things. Yeah, he did. Uh, he was another one that looked like he was riding that early Mad Men wave because he was like L.A. Noir. <laughs> L.A. Noir. He was the likeness in this thing that they'd never done before. 
for this video game that was like you know lauded at the time it was like oh cool all right you want to buy stock in him and then just like nothing happened after that so yeah i don't know he'll probably pop up in things here and there but yeah i'll, I'll sell for now but this next one i want to fucking buy stock in for real is rich summer harry right. i like it uh, he's definitely has a com- uh, comedic future he was great in the league mm-hmm. um yeah he's got a good personality he also was very he did a law and order su episode a couple years ago he's, uh was very good he's always uh he's a good podcast guest he has his own podcast about board games um, Ooh. i'm gonna hold my stock on rich summer i'm not i'm not selling it i'm not gonna buy anymore i'm just i'm just holding on to what i have yeah i have a little bit that's fair that's fair. He's never going to, like, blow up or anything. No. No. But he's not going to lose a lot of value either. Yeah. And I think yeah. in comparison to a lot of the other people on here that also probably should be getting work, too, I think he's going to get more than, than some of those. He's going to be a great, like, third friend in crappy comedies. Uh, like, Hollywood comedies. As, like, a last resort, though, I feel like. Yeah. Like the super poor man's Ed Helms. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like about a right. hangover. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. if there was a really low budget yeah, hangover, that role, he would be the Ed Helms. Exactly. John Slattery. Love him. I love him. Uh, I'm a little disappointed. He's going to be in Ted Two. Is that so? Yeah. Yeah, he's like the he's like the prosecution, but <sighs> it could be could be good. Uh, was, I mean, he could be good in anything. He was I'm, in that uh, the Netflix season of Arrested Development, the most recent one. I'm looking forward to him as a director. I always like the, the episodes he directed. Because like when you see it, it's like, ooh, he directed this. I'm going to pay maybe more closer attention. And he always did really, really well. Uh, those episodes look great. A lot of good choices. And I know he directed a movie as well. Hmm. Uh, God's Pocket. That sounds like crap. Yeah. <laughs> you should have oh, it was, uh, it was Philip Seymour Hoffman's like last movie. Oh. Him, uh, Christina Hendricks was in it. Richard Jenkins. Uh, John Turturro, great cast. Wow. Got mixed reviews. Yeah, wonder how a great cast turns into a bad movie unless the director is. Well, did he write the script? Yeah, he wrote the script. Well, <laughs> there's your answer, Fishbulb. <laughs> well, maybe I mean maybe he just gave him the material and he directs it. No, yeah, that's what I mean. Like Slattery might be a fine yeah. director, but yeah. not a good. You got to give creator. him like a real good framework. Yeah, like Madman <laughs> to operate in. Uh, really, only two more that I. Desperately want to get to Henry Francis. <laughs> I mean, not in particular, but if you want to talk about Christopher Stanley, feel no, free. That, no, I don't. Okay, uh, Jessica Paré. Sell. Seen what I needed to see from her. I that was just a hot tub time machine. Oh, is she really? Yeah, she's naked. Then. Well, that says. Well, I feel like that says all you have to say. What? Yeah. Well, you know, I, hey. Hey, someone's got to be the Mr. Skin of the blank slate. And Wynn's not here. <laughs> True. Uh, all right. Well, two more. Uh, th- oh, man. Meredith. Damn it. Okay. All right. <laughs> we, buy, we buy Meredith. Moving on. Uh, I feel like we will see more Jared Harris. He's uh, in a lot of crap now. Then he, yeah. But he was also, you know, Ulysses S. Grant and Lincoln. He was also one. He was like maybe the best part of the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. True. He also directed uh, an episode in the latter half of the season mm-hmm. as well. That he did. Um, now he does uh, Poltergeist. Uh, all right. Last one that I want to do anyway. Let me guess. 
you're, you're gonna nail it on the head. J.R. Ferguson. Yeah, dog. Yeah, hell yeah. I kept getting him confused for you know that guy that was like the dad in the Little Giants. Like I, I feel like he has that career. The one that possibly. wasn't Rick Moranis. No, no, not and not Ed O'Neill. Like the dad of like the crazy kid in the Little oh, Giants. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I feel like he can be like he'll have a good career in, in like that. I think we should clarify for the people that we're talking about Stan Rizzo. Yes. yes. He uh yeah, I need I need more Stan Rizzo in my life. So Peggy's gonna be Peggy Rizzo. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna be a big hit when Grease comes out. <laughs> Peggy Rizzo. So yeah, that's everyone I really wanted to to hit. Uh I mean you mentioned Lou Avery earlier, Alan Havy. He, that was kind of like a cool sort of second act for his career because he was like like an L.A. stand-up comic for, for fucking like decades and shit. And he really has the timing. Yeah. He was yeah. so funny. He um, was so funny. So that was just kind of cool to see him get like that mm-hmm. sort of second, third crack at it. We talked uh, about James Wolk earlier. I want to see him in more stuff. Ben Feldman, the guy that plays Ginsburg, he yeah. had a crack at a, a sitcom that failed. Um, Most of them the, do, though. Yeah, uh, so I, I like to see him in more things. He's really good. Uh, the guy who played Ted Shaw, Kevin Ram. I, I, I can live without him. Yeah, I saw really. uh, he was in Nightcrawler, and I thought he was. I mean, he had a relatively small part. Oh, in yeah, Nightcrawler, he was in Nightcrawler. He was, in he was fine. Yeah. Those roles. Yeah, if I see him in those roles for the next twenty years, I'm all right with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. He didn't have a lot to do, but he executed it well. Has Joel usurped Brian Doyle in the Murray rankings? <laughs> Nah, man, Brian Doyle for life. That's that's the correct answer. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think we're good. All right, yeah. so let's wrap it up by... Uh, Buying the world of Coke? In a manner of speaking. Uh, how do we feel about the end of Don Draper? Or the end of the story of Don Draper? I think you should have came up with the Pepsi challenge instead. Sorry. You've been <laughs> waiting... What, two and a half weeks to crack out that one? No, I just came up with it because of what you said. And I, <laughs> so I really had not thought about it just now. Uh, I loved it. I loved it in that even if it was all just to, you know, come up with one more ad, like just that smile at the end. Mm-hmm. Like they could have fit, they could have just hit fade to black right there, and I would have been. I, I don't think I would have been as happy with it if that was it. I would have been, I would have been maybe more actually, just because it would have been him like just sh- finally shedding it all. I I get that part, but I I I think I would have been a little pissed. Like he ends up the like. I'm with that ending. I would have assumed like that's his life now. He's just out there and he's like, uh, you know, uh, a meditating hippie or, you know, like I, I, I'm I'm much happier with the thought of him going back into the cycle and, and coming up with the grand slam that is that follows. Yeah. And I want to touch on that, Rich, is I don't think that. That, that he's sort of like falling back into anything or that he hasn't figured it out. I think that the ending, like the last really three episodes, I think uh, cohere together very well. Um, and I think that they really show Don kind of like realizing who he is. And 
you know, in that last episode, his daughter tells him don't come home. His ex-wife tells who's dying tells him don't come home. Yeah. And like the only person who actually says to him, come home is Peggy. Yeah. Like, yeah. And Don sort of realizes, you know, and it's it's something that he uh alludes to earlier in the season when he's giving Peggy her performance evaluation and you know, he starts asking her, okay, what's well, next? yeah, what's next? what's next? What's yeah. next? Well, I want to create something of lasting value. Well, you know, what's next? What, are we here to talk about the meaning of life? I thought we were here to talk about my job. And he says, you think those two things are not related? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think for Don, it, the last several episodes represent him reconciling Dick Whitman and Don Draper and sort of synthesizing both parts into like one identity that he can be comfortable with. Finally. A big part of that is him realizing that what he's good at and what he gets like real satisfaction out of is being fucking good at his job. Yeah. And I don't think it's, you know, sad at all that he happens to come up with a great ad. Well, not to imply that I I didn't mean to imply that it was sad. Um, You know, like, uh, you were you were implying that you would have been fine if it didn't go that route, and this man was just free, kind of. Well, and not even like that he was just free either, because more so what I had envisioned as like that third option of like, all right, well, he just either he stays with these people and does this, or like you know he goes back and like yeah, he creates like one of the most iconic ads of all time, um, but more so that he sheds that skin and becomes a new Don Draper in a new field, sort of. Like, and, and that's, a, that's a big left turn, yeah. uh, you know, especially to take, and, and for one to, like, assume, again, it is just all very kind of, like, it would be very assumptive and very interpreted for, for, to, to come to that, which is what I, where I was at. But again, and it's it's and in the big picture and the perspective of things, it was all leading to this. Yeah, and I think that the phrase that you used when you were originally talking about the ending was, you know, the idea of Don leaving everything behind, and I think that the things for Don that he really had to leave behind were his feelings of isolation and, you know, self-hate and, you know, not being able to experience love that people give to him. Like, he has no... Like, that's why he drives everybody away. Is yeah. that, like, it isn't that people don't love Don. It's that Don has no idea, like, how to receive uh, it and yeah, reciprocate. And, I mean, I think it's explained pretty explicitly in the Leonard monologue. And you know, clearly it resonates deeply with Don. So I think the idea of Don leaving everything behind doesn't necessarily encompass leaving behind advertising and his life out East. I think it means more like dealing with all the, all the shitty parts of his past that have like just mangled his personality to the point where he just can't form stable relationships. I think that that hug is, is really yeah, I think that's really promising for Don. I see it as a very optimistic ending. Yeah, no, I I want to agree in terms of, of optimism. I don't know. I just everyone was was going so. I feel like everyone was looking so deeply into that and did here, didn't he? And, and, 
Well, I, and and that, that I thought was silly because I think it was clear he, that it was did. clear. I, I, Very I can clear. Respect, I can respect those opinions if people think it meant something else. Matthew Weiner came out a couple of days later in the press and said that that's what it meant. Was that Don went back and wrote the ad for McCann? Sure. But I think people. I think people like, were just to do. But people just want to make their own narratives, and that's fine. Uh, if you thought that, I respect your opinion. I think you're an idiot, but I can respect you had an opinion. Um. But I just I just love the the idea of what that Coke ad means and kind of it's also like it's also a redeeming thing of Don that he also made something that kind of had like a positive message for the first time. Also, like that's part of his redemption is so he finally kind of reconciled who he was within himself and also like did something that sure in advertising you know, he said something uh, you mentioned earlier in the in the thing with Peggy. He's like, she wanted to create something that met, that lasted forever or a catchphrase or whatever. And he yeah. said, well, it doesn't exist in advertising. And he ultimately creates, like, the most famous ad in, like, the history of advertising. But also something that, like, like if you're going to make an ad, has a really positive message to it in the midst of trying to sell fucking sugar water to, to, to kids and, and adults. Yeah. So it is. It, I think it's a, that specific ad and is an important piece of of him being, uh, you know, doing something with his life on on a, on a, on a bigger scale. Um, and also, just love how well they set that up throughout. You know, I mentioned earlier like the little hints and it kind of being the white whale for Don yeah. for quite a while. Where I know he mentioned it. And getting the shit beat out of him by the VFW. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he got the shit beat out of him quite a bit, um, literally and figuratively. But um, you should have just fixed that coke machine, man. Even yeah, that, just that, and even to go as far back as I think the earliest thing I can ever remember is when he busts into Rogers' office that uh, a couple seasons ago and was saying like, "Why are we going for bigger ads?" And I think one of the first things he mentioned was Coke, Hershey, you know. Like even from that far, it was like the first thing out of his mouth. Like they yeah. set this up for a very long time to be the, the elusive yeah. thing that he he and was it's, striving for. It's funny that you you referred to to Coke as Don's white whale when he was McKenna Erickson's white whale himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Coca Cola. Coca Cola. Um. Jim Hope. Yeah, great, great villain. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, that scene with him and Joan. Oof, that was that was not Ooh. to make a corny joke, but tit for tat. Week of the week. <laughs> I, I so that's the phrasing, and it's just I knew someone was gonna think because I was talking about her. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Oh, you got it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I I thought it was the perfect way to go because again, at the end of the day, this is a show about advertising. Oh, I don't think that's true at all. Well, no, but I mean, like, this that was the backdrop of the show. Yeah. So, what better way to go out than yeah. what was the next step in advertising once the show was over with? Was that was that spot? The, poet- the last thing it was missing was just that, that flash forward of 35 years later and just a a wrinkled up Don Draper in a wheelchair, just, just bumbling out. 
Well, because I specifically remember uh, reading an interview with Matthew Weiner where, like, he said there was going to be, like, some time jump element to the finale. And people were kind of like, ugh, we're going to get, like, the Harry Potter epilogue where it's, like, Don is deathbed and, like, Peggy there by his side or some bullshit. (laughs) Turns into Magnolia. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And so, but I thought more so was going to be was uh, the first time I ever saw that was, like, are we going to have him make, like, the Apple ad? <laughs> that would not come out of Don Draper's mind ever. Oh, yeah, the nice thing. <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, no, I was thinking more along the lines of, like, all right. Uh, he's a Mac and he's a PC. <laughs> that works, right? All right. Um, there's there's two frogs sitting on a tree. <laughs> there's three. No, three frogs. So one of them says Bud. <laughs> um. <laughs> He flips the card over. What's up? <laughs> also, you brought up like Matthew Weiner in an interview, and Matthew Weiner has done no shortage of interviews. Sure. Uh he's also gone on record as saying like the the like ending, the big picture ending he like always had in mind was him and Sally and Don and Sally and Bobby in front of his childhood home. They're really the end of season six. No, no, no. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. The end of that season was in his mind. Right. What was always going to be the end of the the show. Well, that and then he, but then he also went back sure. and said, but then he went back and said that the ending of everything that he had, he had told to many people, including his wife, and his wife told him he was quote fucking crazy. <laughs> They're standing in front of a dilapidated whorehouse, <laughs> and then it just ends. Yeah. No, 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 no. That, no, no. That's that's the original. And then it, oh, okay. uh, the the ending that we saw, he had in his mind after that for some time. And everyone told him he was crazy for that. Yes. One. Which that's saw. what that's that's what the conspiracy theorists were like getting like worked up again. Was like, is he gonna pull some like random ass fucking thing out of his ass? And Don Draper is all of a sudden fucking OJ. I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, you guys heard my theory about him becoming Donald Sterling. Yes. That was brilliant. Yes. Like, can you please share that on air? Sure. So uh, my theory going into the final episode uh, was that uh, Don somehow finds his way to L.A., um, which ended up happening. Um, (laughs) The rest of this did not end up happening. Uh, Don gets involved in real estate, uh, descends into racism, pursues a lifetime of relationships with mistresses, uh, gets convicted of shady housing practices, eventually buys a nascent uh, basketball franchise called the Clippers, moves them from San Diego to L.A., exploits the team financially for about 30 years, and is eventually disgraced when some tapes made by his last mistress, uh, where he says a bunch of racist stuff, get unveiled on TMZ. Uh, All while taking the name of his steals, mentor. <laughs> steals his mentor's last name along the way and becomes Donald Sterling. Yes. That should be all over the Internet to this day still. Like, that, I, yeah. That should have blown the fuck up. The if, only person to favorite that tweet was Andrew's angry friend of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, oh, good God. If Matthew Weiner was any sort of a sports fan or knew like what anything was going on, that may have been what, what could have happened. It's a funny also, also, she would have made a great Don Draper mistress. Oh, yeah. The crazy, oh, V. Stavano? Uh, Lee Stavano, yes. Yeah. No, Thank V. You. No, the letter V, not Lee. The letter v. 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 Sorry, V. V. Stiviano. Stiviano, yes. Stiviano. 
Oh, it's going to be so fun to remember that name in like 30 years randomly and being like, what the fuck was going on? <laughs> she really fits in with Midge and Sylvia Rose. Really does. The school oh, teacher. She, mm-hmm. She's, she's going to look like that tiger lady in about five years. She already kind of does. Which one? You know that woman that like basically she looks like a tiger now? No, not Google- really. Oh, let me just Google tiger lady. Oh, you'll see her as soon as I as soon as I pull up her picture. Right. You'll you'll see this. Uh, one. Anyway, just to, to wrap this up, since AMC uh, is not necessarily in the business of creating new content anymore. Um, to keep the Mad Men train a rolling as they've created a prequel with Better Call Saul as a creator prequel with Fear of the Walking Dead. What prequel or sequel or spinoff or what have you can they make for Mad Men? I have a plethora. Oh, this is easy. Okay. This is easy. Sterling Souls is far and away the easiest prequel you could make. It's just like the life and times of Roger Sterling. Yeah. 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 That's the easiest prequel. Uh, No matter what, Tony wins because he had a name. It's easy peasy. Yeah. Uh, stir, uh, sequel wise, I, I saw a John Hay interview where he just wants to see fucking what it's like to be Sally growing up in like the 70s and the 80s, which I think could be interesting. Um, it's getting away from the advertising world, but I, I think that could be fun. Uh, I don't know why, but the, the character I think of the most, just because it's like the most Saul to me, is Pete. <laughs> Yeah, it's watch Pete in Kansas. Yeah, just like yeah, like yeah, that's the name of the show, Pete in Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> he just hates barbecue. Yeah, and just fucking gets messy. Every every week he has like a different like famous person on his fucking jet, and so it's like the love boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. This week, <laughs> this week Pete hangs out with Lincoln Park, portraying fucking Jefferson Airplane. I don't know. That went off the rails really quickly. Well, because, like, it'd still be, like, in the 70s and the 80s, so you would need, like, current celebrities playing old celebrities. Fine. Uh, uh, Bill Hader doing his Alan Alda impression. There you wonderful. go. Uh, mine, I think, would... Uh, my legitimate one would probably be, like, following just whatever Joan's doing now. Um, Harrison Holloway. Yeah. And just kind of like seeing that and that whatever. And, and you know, she gets into Coke and the 80s and all that stuff. I think the next probably the good step for this would be like the 80s. We can just skip the 70s. Yeah, the 70s are just going to get sad. Yeah. Um, and then. I'm going to see like a mini series about the rest of Betty. Okay. You know. that'd, be, that'd be a little heavy. <laughs> It'd be a mini series. Yeah. Wait, wait. I. I... You faded out for a second. A miniseries about what? About Betty. Oh, about Betty. Okay. I thought it was something worse. Uh, and then the last what one. What would be worse than watching a miniseries about a woman dying of lung cancer? No, I, I like. I, I honestly didn't hear. And the way like Rich reacted, I thought it was something. I don't. I don't even know what. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing a Burt Cooper prequel either. That could be fun with the right actor. Like just him. Like just out in in out exploring Eastern culture in the twenties. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a fun one. So yeah, um, I think we've. 
I mean, considering we were going over the entire run of the show. I think we did a decent job. Yeah. Uh, one last, you know, good luck and goodbye to, to you know. Bravo. Yeah. Thank you. For It's the best way to put it. It's a wonderful show. It's my favorite show ever. Yep. Ditto. Um, yeah. And it's going to be a long time, if ever, if we see another one like it. It's going to be damn near impossible. Yeah. For, I mean, it started. It started a great era in television. Well, mm-hmm. it 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 was the extension of the era that probably The Sopranos started. Even though I never watched The Sopranos, but it's um, what gets all the credit. Exactly. But yeah. So uh, I will give anything Matthew Weiner does a shot out of goodwill for this. But if his fucking derelict son's in it, then then get out of town. Um, Go to Vietnam. <laughs> all right. Okay. Actually, maybe Glenn in Vietnam. Oh, okay. now, Rich, Rich, you just ruined our friendship. <laughs> Glenn in Vietnam. No, but like first episode, he gets destroyed by Agent Orange. Like, and then it's just about some other fun people. Yes. The last scene, I swear to God, this is the last thing I'm going to say on the podcast. The last scene that he's in where he's walking out of the kitchen after making a really bad pass at Betty, where he's like walking out, he looks like he's about 5'8", 110 pounds. I'm like, how the fuck did you make it into the army? Like, I know they're just looking for people to volunteer to die, but like... <laughs> Dude, you couldn't do the push-ups. Yeah. You couldn't get in. Like, if they're not drafting people yet, you are not in. Don't tell Matthew Weiner that his son wouldn't be able to make the army. Hey, good good on Matthew Weiner, though, for telling him to put the fucking Cheetos down, and the kid actually lost some weight instead of being fucking a future Pugsley in an Adams Family reboot. Still might happen. Uh, and I'm just Googling photos of this fucking... Hey, don't, don't do that to yourself. Do you have any final thoughts? Uh, I love the show. I miss it already. And uh, here's a great picture of Matthew Weiner's kid where it looks like he's actually the son of Alfred Molina. I could see that. Also, we're not getting the links that you're sending. Tony, any final Damn. thoughts? Um, I don't really have any final thoughts. Um, I've, I've just really loved the show, and I've loved talking about it with you guys. Yeah. I'm gonna miss it. I look forward to talking more Walking Dead with you guys. Certainly, but it's just—it's yeah. definitely not the same. No, <laughs> um, unless uh, Alexandra, like you know, starts creating a a free market that needs advertising. I didn't get to touch base with you guys. Like, I know we're going super long, but like one minute each on what you thought of the last few episodes of the most recent season of Walking Dead in terms of what it became. Because I knew all that stuff was coming, and you guys didn't. I did not watch them. I did not watch the last three episodes. Oh, oh no! Oh, why? My one word was going to be a ginormous spoiler. So, okay. yeah. Um, but you do know where they are, right, Tony? Like you I know, know they're in Alexandria, and I'm guessing that Rick just becomes completely evil. Okay. I'm guessing well, that's what happens. All right. Well, okay. Let, let me know yeah. when you watch. Okay. And we'll we'll get at it later. I'll watch it so yeah so for mullet for tony this is rich and thanks for listening uh, and also plugs? you could follow us 
on at Blank Slate Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can email us, blankslatepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on iTunes. Subscribe to us if you ain't already. And tell your friends as well to do so. Because, uh, yeah, we talk about all sorts of shit on here. Um, and uh, uh, also Stitcher Radio, of course. And then you can find us on our hub of the Podswoggle Network at podswoggle.com. And check out all of our other shows. And uh, Mullet, where can uh, the people find you individually? Oh, at your host, Mullet, on Twitter. Also hit me up for uh, our other podcast, Married with Movies, at MarriedWMovies on Twitter. And what's your uh, Instagram again? I don't remember. <laughs> I'm I, sure I, I have, I've never Instagrammed anything, so one day I'll get around right. to it. Tony? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tony Colt. Uh, you'll be lucky if you ever see me post anything, so I really don't do that. Except for a sweet. Except for every once in a while, I come up with a crazy idea. <laughs> uh, and you can find me on uh, Twitter, Average Cami, Instagram, Average Cami4, uh, Snapchat, Garlic Not 44. Uh, Garlic Not 44. Garlic Not 44. I like it. <laughs> and because uh, it's Snapchat, you, you do crazy things. And, like oh, I mean, who doesn't? And uh, and yeah, check out my audiobooks on audible.com and uh, that's all I got. Um, keep a lookout for picked up season two uh, uh, on the way as soon as Robert and I get settled into our new apartments. Um, and yeah, that's that's that. So uh, for all you guys, you can go ahead and delete this now. Oh, get you Slater. This has been a Podswoggle Network production. Visit podswoggle.com for more of that sweet, sweet entertainment.